Hello, everybody. This is David Goldsmith, and welcome to the Age of Infinite. Throughout history, humans have made significant transformational changes, which have in turn led to the renaming of periods into ages. You've personally just experienced the information age, and boy, what a ride it's been. Now consider that you might now, right now, be living through a transformational age, a new age, the Age of Infinite. An age that is not defined by scarcity and abundance, but by a redefined lifestyle consisting of infinite possibilities and infinite resources, which will be made possible through a new construct where the moon and the earth, as we call it Mirth, will create a new ecosystem and a new economic system that will transition us into an infinite future. The ingredients for an amazing sci-fi story that will come to life in your lifetime. This podcast was brought to you by Project Moon Hat Foundation, where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon, a moon hut, through the accelerated development of an Earth and space-based ecosystem, then to turn the innovations and the paradigm-shifting thinking from the endeavor back on Earth to improve how we live on Earth for all species. Now, if you go to our website, the top right-hand corner, if you want to learn more at projectmoonhut.org, you'll see some videos that you could watch if you are interested in digging a little deeper. Today, though, we're going to be exploring a very interesting topic. The title is, Humanity's Next Steps Are Not What You Think. They Are So Much Better. And we have with us today, Chris Stott. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me today. Good to chat. So let me tell you just, we always give a very short intro bio. Chris is the founder, chair, CEO of Lone Star Data Holdings, a stealth venture to extend terrestrial data services to the moon. He's also the executive chairman and founder of Manstat, the world's largest commercial supplier of satellite spectrum. His wife, Nicole, has also been on the program. So let me share one thing uh, before we get started. And this is because of questions that have come across our emails. People think that I know the content of this program that's going on, that I have a series of questions in front of me. Let me share with you how this works. We look for a guest, we find one. We have the individual listen to a podcast or an introduction, we have a call. We have a very short call and we find out what would be the title for a program that they could talk about, help us to understand. Then we create that title, we do not go into any depth. So as this is unfolding today, I'm hearing this at the first time as everybody else is. So that said, let's get started. Chris, do you have an outline for us or a set of bullet points? No, thank you, David. Yeah, no, what, I, what I'd love to talk <laughs> with you about today, right? What I'd love to talk with you about today is, is, this, is that title, is where we find ourselves at this point in human history. And what is and isn't happening, and that's the first part. The second part is the opportunity. What, what is and isn't happening? Yeah. Okay. The second part is what is actually going on with us. And how we, as individuals, can actually take more of a role in this coming future if we choose to. But what that means, and, and we'll get into a discussion of Web 3.0, we'll get into a discussion of exponential technologies, and you know, we'll also get. And then that, that last part is also a, you know the concept of choice, which sadly is diminishing in the world. But people tend to forget that you do have a choice. Most people are probably choosing to switch off now. Don't, please. It'll be fun. Um, but that's a choice, right? I, I, I'm very much hoping you're going to be at the same standards of everybody else. So they're going oh, well, to thank stay. Thank you. 
Thank you. And then I'd like to get into that, what that choice leads for us in the future. That how, how do you make that choice in life, right? And what kind of future you decide to live, what life you decide to live, what kind of future you want to have. Okay, well, I'm... Uh... Okay, so let's start with, uh, I kind of wrote an outline here. I don't know exactly the words. So what is your first one and where do we start with this? Well, no, well, thank you. And, and that is, you know, the, the future is not what you think it's going to be. It's going to be better. These okay, next so steps. The, the title is the first one. Yes. Okay. All right. So help me understand this. Well, there you go. So and you, you probably, I, you, you turn on the news today mm -hmm. and what do you see? You know, the old, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, it is nothing but negativity. It's nothing but, uh, I call WMDs, weapons of mass division, weapons of mass distraction, right? And if you turn on that television and you don't do your own independent research, you don't look at multiple news sources and sources from within the United States, and I'm an American citizen, despite my funny accent, and look yeah, at sources oh, outside of America, you, right? Where, where, where is your accent from? I don't know if I asked you that before. No, no, no. I'm originally from... The Isle of Man, which oh, is right. still very dear to my heart. I'm a Manxman, but become American, like like Miles Standish and a whole bunch of other people, right? A long and distinguished history of us getting in trouble and coming over here and living a free life. Did you live in other countries besides? Yeah, I've been fortunate. I've lived in the UK, which is a separate country to the Isle of Man. I've lived in France when I was studying. I've lived in Australia, and uh, and obviously here at home in America too. The reason I ask that, it helps to give reference because I, I think I sh I've lived in Hong Kong for 10 years and throughout Asia was doing all sorts of work and lived in Luxembourg for a period of time. So when you when you work globally, you do definitely see a completely different world out there than uh, in every country. If you are French, you go to Australia, you're going to see a different world. So that's why I asked. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Well, it gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, and being an immigrant to America gives you a very different perspective. Yes. And living outside of the United States and watching America from a perspective of another country is yeah. mind boggling. When you're in Bangladesh to hear what they're talking about, when you're in Japan to hear what they say, when you're in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, or South Africa or Colombia, there's just the world is not. It's kind of like you can't see yourself because there's just so many facets to uh, every country. Uh, that's a, it's just a reference point I wanted to know because it helps me to understand where you're coming from when you say the new, it, it leads, it leads, it's distraction. It sounds m almost an American. Uh, I took it, sorry. I took it very much as American because I didn't feel the same way when I was living outside the country yeah. in certain countries. <laughs> that's what I just said. Oh, sorry. No, I, I dropped something. My apologies. I, I, sorry. sorry. I don't know where I want to go with that. No. Well, no, no. But I mean, look, I mean, that's and that's just it. It's all about perspective. And, and that's that perspective on the future that I want to talk to you and start off talking with you about today, because so many people. Well, it's like it's like that part. Do you ever see a movie called? I mean, look, cultural reference yep. points, too. Right. A lot of the people I talk to today, the younger people, they don't ha seem to have any cultural reference points. And when you're talking really? about who you are, your mythology is just as important as your history. Well, wait, wait, so define, you just made a statement. I want to clarify that, please. No, sure. You talk to young people today, they don't have any cultural references. And I would, I don't know what that means because I, I think they do, but they're just 
different than the way I had them or somebody else. Like you and I were speaking before this, we pulled up Mork and Mindy, but generations had the, uh, th there's, there's cultural references to a mobile phone. There's cultural references to when a, a conflict happened. I mean, there's, there's tons of cultural references. It's just how do you define them? Ah, see, I'm talking about a different type of cultural reference. Okay. Right, That's so I'm, I'm talking asking. about uh, the you know, mythology. I'm talking about the arts and everything from cinema to television to streaming and to those, those, those things where you would have a shared experience. Um, for example, I was talking to someone the other day and they said how much they loved the Top Gun movie. And I was like, great, wasn't Maverick great? What about, and they said, there was another movie? And I'm like, oh my gosh, come on, really? Wait, 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 how old are they? Oh, they were 25. Okay. Right, and this is it. This is the whole thing. So we have a shared cultural past, whether it comes from print, uh, whether it comes from history, whether it comes, you know, touchstones, cinema and television. And this generation... That's somehow bifurcated drastically. Okay, I, I would agree with that. I wouldn't say they don't have a cultural history, a cultural reference. I think, though, it's more universal, meaning it's not oh, true. one country. But if we talk Top Gun, I'm going to bet you that there are a lot of people who watch Top Gun. And if I, if I landed in Indonesia and said, oh, that Top Gun movie, off the charts, they would say, oh, yeah, I loved it. Oh, would fair that enough. Be a cultural reference. Yeah, no. So maybe I'm misstating this. Maybe I'm. I'm. Well, put it this way: when we're working with younger people in the different companies, and we're, we're chatting with them in different events, we're finding it's hard to make the normal or what we're used to having done with an older generation than us cultural reference. Ah, okay. That's much different than where I was going, because if somebody in uh in macedonia made a call to their friend in Xiaomen, china and they said did you watch top gun they'd say yeah awesome or do you play uh, forge of empires yeah i know or a game mm -hmm. they would have those references but they're not specific to a country in a region they tend to be more globalized not true yeah that's that's a different way of looking at it i like that okay yeah Okay, so how does that translate to where Right, no, so, 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 and that better future, right? And that's, okay, a different way of looking at it. We're surrounded by, we're going down different paths to a future that with, without a common vision that we used to have, right? I mean, it's, you've got various different things. You said you've got this transnationalism or pan-national culture, this global culture, and you could look at that from, Gosh, a security state. Sorry. That's you okay. could look at that from a security state all the way down through, uh, you know, music, television, etc. So we've got some, the postman's here. That's okay. Classic, isn't it? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm good. We have a dog here, so I'm, I'm fine. All right. Okay. No, so when you're looking at that and you think you have all these different touchstones, all these different things to talk about with people, and you're trying to find a connection with other people, when you're out there talking to people, it's a bit like, I just mentioned Pretty Woman, right? Mm -hmm. The way I meet current global media, and I see this when I travel around the world, I have yet to find a country where this is not true. And that they tend to focus on the negative. Yep. And it becomes a mantra 
almost, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of the negative. And when you try and talk to people about, well, are you sure that's right? How did you learn that? Why do you think that? Especially when you think about the future. When we're, when we're talking to some of the younger people, we have education programs at, at our companies and you know, through various teaching and other things. And you hear this a lot and you see, well, again, you hear the negativity in the media of a younger generation saying, well, why should I have children? The climate, you know, why should I do anything? Because climate change is going to kill us all. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, where do you get this from? Well, I see where they get it from, but why are you believing it? Because because we grew up during that first Cold War, where if we listened to every lunatic, every depressing, professionally negative person, we'd all be dead and dust right now. And yet there were a few people who turned around at the time and said, no, there can be a better future. There will be a better future. We just need to make it happen. And the choice is yours as an individual to choose what future you wish to live in, what goal do you want to work towards, right? And, and I love that because it's, to me, it's that science fiction future. And I think about this. There's two futures that are portrayed consistently in science fiction. You've got the Terminator series. You've got the Hunger Games. You've got the dystopian, oh my gosh, why, why even bother? The Club of Rome constant the, the number, the number moping one film, whinging the number future one film ever is with the with the end of game or whatever with the uh, the the number one box office film it's like a marvel comic or a where the world is completely ripped apart all the characters disappear oh yeah that was one of the marvel yeah one of the marvel uh one of the avengers things i think yeah avengers uh and it's a film and i can't remember it the name of it i'm not a guy but it's the one with the infinity war i think it or Endgame or something like that well so, there you go yes. right? and that's so, the number one grossing film i believe it, well, i think it was yeah a couple have gone past but in a nice way though but look i mean this is and this is the important part david if you sit down with a young child and i always remember talking to an ambassador one time she's like listen to the children i'm like why children don't know anything you muppet oh my gosh they don't know right and wrong good or evil they have no judgment. They're children. They need to learn this. They need to be educated, right? And children soak all this stuff up. And if you're constantly giving them a stream of negativity of, oh, there is no morality. Oh, it's all, oh, everything's fine. Oh my gosh. Oh, the world's gonna end. Oh, why bother? Oh, no wonder this generation is growing up lost. No wonder they're growing up, not all of them, thankfully, but no wonder they're growing up so negatively and they don't need to. And so we hear this constantly from people. Oh, the, the, the future is a bad place. And I'm like, whoa, 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 this is terrifying. No, the future is going to be an incredible place. So I, I was in, I, I walked into a, I, I, this is going to sound pompous, but if you live in Asia, this is not a big thing. I walked into my tailor's place. Good friend. It's okay. I have a tailor in London. I'm seeing him next week. Okay. Cheaper than buying off the rack, by the way, everybody. Don't assume. Actually, mine wasn't, but... Um, it wasn't because it was expensive. I'm the difficult fit. A problem and, with 1%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just shoulder issues. And I walk in and the, there's a bunch of guys and they've got to be, I'm going to say between 50 to 65. And they're all talking. And I walk in and Daniel looks at me and he says, I know, I know, I know. People, we shouldn't be talking about negative things. People don't like negative things because I always come in positive. 
Yeah. That was his first reaction. And he and I said, no, 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 you're completely wrong. People love to talk about negative things. The reason is because they've got no answers for the future. It's easy to talk about negative. And you love it. You love talking about negative. You don't love talking about positive because it means work for you. Exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's so easy to abrogate, to give up your role in life, your role in society, to blame the government, to let the government do things for you. And I'm like, hang on, these are the same people who, you know, the potholes on the road, right? And it's like, no, no, the government's just full of people. The government is not this artificial thing. It's full of other human beings trying their hardest to do stuff too. The world is imperfect, led by imperfect people trying to do imperfect things, mm -hmm. right? And yet, with an ounce of positive thinking of a clear goal, right, you can make and choose to make, A, your own life better. And I don't see this lightly. I mean, you, you can choose to be depressed. That's your choice. But understand, I know there's people who are medically and they need help. I, I get that. But for a lot of people, they're choosing to be upset and unhappy. It's a hard thing to do, you know, but no one else controls your emotions. Only you do. And that's the thing, too. We've come into this mass society where people are thinking, oh, someone else is in charge. I'm just going to, someone else must know what's going on. And I hate to break it to you, David, but as you know, as you think you found, as you get older, you realize, holy crap, no one's in charge. How do, how do the lights work? How do these roads get built? Because you come to that point and you're like, oh, this isn't good. And that's when you need to kick in. You, you, you've got to be, as Nicole says, you've got to be crew on planet Earth, not a passenger, right? Yeah, yeah you, uh, I will. I don't even know where to, to, I'm trying to dig my foot into this in a few places. Let me just hit what's come to my mind very quickly. Had a call with one of our team members in Germany, and he said, I was talking to my wife yesterday, my, his, his, um, his partner, and she said that she's considering getting a gun. And my body felt, I feel it right now as I'm saying it, terrible. So I was talking to somebody else that I care about, and they said, oh, yeah, no, I would definitely consider getting a gun with everything that's going on. And my body dropped, the, you know, the feeling dropped. I, I, the fact that people are talking negative has to have some root cause someplace. And it's not just, I, there's something off. There's a missing switch. There's a, I mean, I could probably name 60 reasons why someone finding that it's food prices are higher. The, 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 the crops don't grow. In Spain, the one of the largest river is at ten percent of its capacity, and they don't know what their future is. Uh, you know, it, it, when you and I were growing up, our parents, my parents, would say, "Go outside." You say, what do you mean? Don't come back till dinner. Today, you don't see kids going outside by themselves because the parents are afraid that their kids are get shot, picked up, taken, whatever. So, how do you? It's it's, I mean, we're working on it at Project Moon Hut, but I'm coming at it from me personally as David. It's just a lot. Well, like, okay, go back to that scene in Pretty Woman. And, for, and I, yeah. by the way, what were you looking at that made you say Pretty Woman? Because oh. you had, I, I don't, are, are, you, are you watching my screens? No. It is, my, um, it is my number one favorite movie. I cry every single time at the end. So how did you know? Oh, well, you know, well, A, A is the best etiquette class in less than three minutes ever. 
I, I had I, when I wrote it down. I said, "Did he actually say Pretty Woman?" Of course, I talk in movies. Like, I grew up in an island where there were four TV stations. One was in Welsh, and we had incredible and, and video I'm not, stores. I'm not a movie buff, but I did watch them. Oh yeah, well look, I mean, there's that one scene in Pretty Woman when Richard Gere is trying to convince. Uh... Oh, what's her name? David, please help me. The actress, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Right, yeah. their characters. Right, the characters that they play. Right. I mean, I always say to people, never forget that actors and actresses are lovely people, but they're professional schizophrenics. They're paid to be someone else for eight hours yes, a day. And they're very good at it. Yeah. And they have opinions, too, which is contradictory to the roles that they play often. Well, often, yes. And so, but there's a, there's a part where Richard Gere's character is talking to Julia Roberts' character, and he's trying to tell her that she's beautiful. And she says, no, no, I'm not. And she says, why do you think this? And he says, because she says, because it's easier to believe the bad things people say about me. Right, and that is so true in all the humanity. You see it in Shakespeare, which is why I talk to my son and all his friends. I'm like, dudes, Shakespeare is incredible because it's all about human nature. It's what humans do to each other in one class. Right, it's incredible. Yeah. And people believe the negative. It's easier to be negative, and unfortunately, we've created a society globally now. And you have to wonder who's been doing this because it's not by accident. And I'm not being paranoid. I'm not being one of those people. I'm saying, look, there's, there's, there's been a couple of, we're finding out from certain other nations in the world who are slightly more autocratic in their viewpoint and don't believe in democracy, right, or rep freedom. Or, or republic, because true exactly. democracies, we don't have any. Exactly, right. And the idea that, you know, yeah, you should surrender everything to the state. You should take no personal responsibility. Everything is negative. And it goes against your very grain as a human being. And it's one of the reasons I love about America is that you can come here and you can work hard and you can do things. It breaks my heart to see young Americans who were born here not not understand how incredibly lucky they are to be okay, here. So, so let's, so, okay, you just took that jump and I knew you were going to take that. <laughs> uh, you talked about other countries feeding. Yeah. And I won't name any names because I, I mean, Hong Kong, I had a one, I loved it. I loved parts of Europe and Asia and all over. It's an amazing world. You, then you said that the people who are here, which is not there, which gets influenced by, I'm kind of, my hands, if you could see them, we actually don't see each other. Anybody say, we, I, we do this only audio, is did the are these young people being influenced or are they also being influenced by, my father went, was in, they, my parents escaped from Nazi, my both sides. They got out of Europe because of the Nazi situation in mm -hmm. World War II. They came back here, and in post World War II, it was this baby boom, this generation. They these they had the money at their back. They just won a war, and America gave, had this philosophy, but it was also a philosophy post World War II, which didn't happen before that. Was it's now about me. Before then, you were raising for the next generation to make your kids happier. But then came the generation post that time frame that said, no, it's about me. I need to have the nice home. I need to have the family. And I believe in America changed all the way back there. Oh, no, I'd, I'd agree in part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the, the great generation that's given us hippies, yuppies, just, just, oh my gosh, it is like a, a huge stone going down the throat of a snake and disrupting all demographics everywhere. It's, it's, it's a bit so, of a so, then, so how does this, if 
if those autocratic that was not autocratic at the time or mm -hmm. the socialist or whatever you, you, whatever we want to define as governance even in the society that had what some would perceive everything there was a shift in thinking and i remember being at a presentation in asia and someone said well you know us as the baby boomer generation it was an hr conference and i said you are not part of the baby boomer generation no no i was born in this year no you're not the baby boomer generation was post-World War II America. Nah, actually, I, I, David, I, I fundamentally disagree with you. That there was a baby boomer. So you believe that if you were born in yeah. China at the same time of the years, you were part of the baby boomer generation? Mm -hmm. You do. You think that so yeah. the Chinese each need nation, to take on the American, no. the American labeling each, of their society? Yes, but each nation has a different definition and a different, uh, different effect of their baby boom post-World War II. Don't forget, we came out of World War II with more human beings on the planet than we went in with. Yeah. Right. Astounding, right? Mm -hmm. And and I would say that I know I, I I hear your take on um, post World War II. Well, because they didn't economics. have. I mean, if you're going back but, to China or the Singapore, Malaysia, Cambodia, Bangladesh, you know, there was a different world then. Oh no, it was. I mean, and, Japan, you know, what Singapore's done, amazing, by having a good, strong cultural identity in society, and I mean, amazing things. Hats off to them. Fantastic, brilliant, and I would suggest that the post-Second World War consumerism came out of the military-industrial complex and, and mass manufacturer mm -hmm. and advertising and modern media. But I would suggest that American optimism had been there since the idea was just in the minds of some guys drinking coffee, beer, and whiskey in Boston and Manhattan, who then turned that idea into a new nation. Okay. Yeah, and and I would say that's an Americanism yes. cultural reference. Yes, and that's it. When I said talk to people around the world, they say I, I walk up to people in the crowd in Europe and they say, "Hey, which part of the states are you from?" And they go, "How do you know I'm from America?" I'm like, "You were smiling." <laughs> we're the only people in the world who smile, right? <laughs> no one else smiles. Oh, no one. I, and by the way, that thing on the media too. It's like, look, I, I'll name names. I grew up in Great Britain. Great Britain's a great country, but. The number one sport at the BBC is to poke fun at the United States. Every single article, near every single article they write, and maybe it's a cultural bias they don't even know they have, is always so negative about America. This bad thing happened. It's, it's that easier bad to thing tear happened. down than it is to build. Yes. Yeah, right? It's like, wow, why are you guys doing this? Same thing in mainland Europe, too. There's always a negative slant in the news about America. I'm still trying to make that connection to you made a comment about and I'm looking back at Oh how lucky they are to be here. Yeah. So I, I got and, people who are growing up and like America's constantly redefining itself. I know, well great, like I know, like how how big is my head right now? But I mean one of my degrees is in American studies, American history, politics, and literature. And we've stu I studied well, then I should just shut up because that would not be my No, no. No, I mean I studied America. I mean I loved America since I was a child, coming here as a child, and I, I really did study it. And it's an astounding country. I mean, everything from De Tocqueville all the way through to Melville, all the way through to Joseph Heller and beyond, and oh, the country that gave us science fiction at the same time. I mean, the whole thing, right? Yeah, and America's constantly of people from all over the world. Yes. Yeah. And so we're redefining ourselves always. And that's a good and healthy thing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, every 60 to 80 years, we seem to have a massive revolution or something to a civil war. It's a bit yeah. But, right. But the idea is that things can change in America. They rarely change in the rest of the world. 
right. so but then but our title is humanity's next best step so when you're yeah i am the reason i keep on talking and going out to other countries is because i don't i see america as one piece of the world and so i'm trying to get my mind around what you're think what you're suggesting oh I, thank you david no i still see america firmly by the way the only people who tell me it's china's century are chinese people right actually oh. i think i think it's india's century or i would say the free english speaking peoples of the world's century and that's why people are misunderstanding i believe the future but i still see american uniqueness american exceptionalism as huge because we're optimists it, very it very is, few other people are yeah uh we have one of our team members he said i'd never do this in in europe because it would take forever and everybody would tell you why it would never happen exactly when you when you are americans have this good or bad they have this belief i'll just do it yeah no i just do it yeah and even project moon hut is we'll just do it so i i get that i'd say it's, it's, it's it generations worth of selective immigration kids who've got this negative aspect of a future of what did we call a dystopia? Yes. And so look, that's it. And and I'd also suggest we can get into this, but it's, it's I find it fascinating that, and Robert Heinlein used to get into this in a lot of his writings, did Jerry Ponell and Larry Niven still, you know, and that's where, you know, America is the result of, gener of several generations of selective immigration. And what do I mean by that? Except for, sadly for one part of our society, one was here and the other part was brought here against their will, which is forever. And we've got to fix that. And we will, and we are, Right, as a species, we're getting better. Um, but most people in Europe, my head, my head's shaking. <laughs> well, I'm like, well, look, I mean, right, I mean, it's true, right? Sadly, one huge, incredible, amazing, beautiful part of our society didn't choose to come here, mm -hmm. right? And another part was here already. It was equally as beautiful and elegant and gorgeous, and just the culture and the, the language and the arts and sciences, incredible human beings, and yet. We came over here looking for something new, right? And I'm looking at this because it's almost like people are having this rediscovery of history at the moment. And it has to be this version versus that version. I'm like, no, why? How about different points of view? How about we look at Asian immigration where they started off as pariahs and are now paragons, right? When people first came into the golden country from, from Asia, which is, by the way, the Mandarin word for America is golden country. How many Americans don't even know that? And they came over here and they weren't allowed to walk outside in San Francisco on certain days of the week. They were not allowed to attend certain schools. I mean, it was unbelievable. And yet today, why can't you be more like those kids at school who play the piano and do all this great stuff? Oh, my gosh. Right. And it's an incredible part it's of like our tiger mom. culture. You got the tiger mom in there. Yes, the tiger moms. Right. I mean, it's amazing. And yet, right, we're constantly finding ourselves. But and they're that's not happy allowed. with the tiger mom, too. But where, which other country in the world truly is constantly going through something like this that would appreciate or allow something like this. I mean, we tear each other to shreds in this country and we come out stronger. And I think that's something that historically the people from more autocratic nations have mistaken. They have mistaken. So the let's say it's not autocratic. Let's say it's a non-autocratic nation. Let's take the UK. Let's mm -hmm. take... Uh, Slovakia, um, Canada, Czechoslovakia, uh, Italy, well, Canada, yes. Why aren't they, you use autocratic as your extreme, mm -hmm. 
why are the kids in Europe having the challenges too? Why are the kids in in many countries having these challenges? Not just autocratic, but I'm saying the quasi-democratic. I would say because they choose to allow to, because they're not allowing themselves to think freely. Now, when I was, he was much younger, I took my son down to you know, West Texas, and we were in El Paso, and I said to him, son, what's the difference between where we are and over there? And he said, okay, Dad, I'm in, here in America, and that's Mexico. I said, yeah, great, got it. What's the difference, son? It's the same air, same water, same river, same dirt, same people, same everything. What's the difference? And he stood there, and he was thinking, I said, son, all it is is the U.S. Constitution. If the founding fathers had picked up and gone south, America would be in South America or Central America. Thanks to Simon Bolivar, it almost was. It's policy or law? Yes, it's the rule of law. It's the idea that individualism (laughs) is paramount and the state is not supreme. It's the rule of law. I know some people argue away, people. David, please, you know, it's just one of those things, right? But it's the rule of law. America's an idea. America is not a physical boundary. It started literally in beer houses and coffee houses, became from 13 colonies, became a nation. And at every step of the way now, bits of America and embassies are all over the world. There's bits of America on the moon. There's bits of America in space. America's an idea. It's an idea of personal liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and the rule of law, checks and balances and power. Okay, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss one thing out, yeah. and then you can address that if you like, but then I can get on to where I'd like to take it. I, I had this conversation in Europe uh, or someplace in around the world where someone was asking, why are Americans this way? And I said, well, let me give you just one little tiny thing. Everywhere I go in the world where people want to host me or they want to show me things, they show me antiques, old things, you know, the relics of 500 years ago. This is what the Romans did. This is what the, the, uh, the historical uh, aborigine or whatever. There's just history. When you go to America, people don't have... 3,000 years of history. We don't show a pyramid. So what happens when you come to America is we bring you to a baseball game or we bring you to some sporting event or we go to a festival or you see horseback. It's a different, I think one of the benefits of not being as old is we don't have the relics. Well, we're not, as Jeffrey Mamba says, we're not haunted by the ghosts of the past. But, Jeffrey's okay. Yeah, I, I would point out that, you know, the Native Americans have, at least 5,000 or more years of history. No, no, but, but the, the, it's not, I'm yeah. saying rel, actual pieces exactly. that you see, like right. a building. Yeah. So when, I, but, when I'm in Greece, yeah. they want to take me to the structures in Greece. When someone comes to where I live, I don't even know where I would take them. No, well, look, I, mean, they, they, I mean, I know we're going down a tangent, and I love it, because there's part of this whole pessimism, optimism. Yeah. Right? And they talked well, about, I, we talk about the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, we call it now you know, Anno Domini, and you know, BC, yeah. AD. And we yeah. look at this and people go, oh, it was the Dark Ages. Why was it the Dark Ages? All these people would look, and apparently people would turn around, say in Britain and Europe, and they go, oh my gosh, look at our ancestors had incredible buildings of stone and we're living in, you know, wooden structures and everything else. We've, there was this mythology that we had gone backwards and we hadn't. Yeah. We hadn't gone backwards. There'd been a huge plague. We'd lost a lot of population, but we had not gone backwards. The bubonic plague, but I, I, bubonic plague, the Black Plague, took out half the global population. Yep, which is an amazing number. If you think that the, this plague we just had, uh, this pandemic, it's nothing. Well, I mean, nothing except for the fifteen million people who died. 
No, no, what I meant was relative to time and population. And so we have 8 billion people. Yeah. We lost people. And I, there's a chart online. I can't tell you where it is, but one of our team members had asked the question. And I said, let me show you the chart of population to death. And he said, oh, my God, those are so much bigger. And I said, yeah, this, we, we actually didn't have – we had it bad. But if you go back to – bodies were being driven down the street whole communities disappear exactly. what i want to get to with you you've got this you uh you can go to the next point or i'd like to know you're telling me that they've got to choose yeah people have to choose let's not use just young people because have, people no everybody have the same issue everybody, everybody has a choice but people this. have to choose yes. so my question is how do you get them to choose well and this is where this wonderful tool of the internet comes in Right, because, I mean, it goes back to the old days, you know, when it was when information was controlled and tightly bound. When it was just in the hands, you know, and I'm a person of faith. I'm very, very Christian. And, you know, I, I share that with you, David. I mean, that's great fan of this yeah. huge Jewish rabbi. He, he was a fantastic guy. Uh, his writings and teachings, guide, I hope, try to guide my life with. But the, his word and his teachings were bound up in a book that was controlled by people who controlled literacy. I actually said that to Laura yesterday. I said, imagine what it would like to have been able to read when everybody around you couldn't. Exactly. That was unbelievable power. And if you wanted, if you were curious or an intelligent human being, there were no books to read. Very few, very rare in a monastery or in a church or in a nobleman's house or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And yet then came the first Renaissance with the, with the printing press. Right. But then look at what also happened then at that time. Uh, when Martin Luther and his at the Diet of Worms, when he when he nailed nailed his ninety nine uh, theses to the door, basically saying, "Hey, rule of law, we're all equal." Same thing with Magna Carta. Same thing in the Glorious Revolution. Same thing in the American Revolution, where technology has advanced, where the sharing of information allows more and more people to become educated, and to realize that those who control information are not necessarily doing so in the interest of everyone else around them. And so you take it forward to today, when we're in the middle of the second digital renaissance, when those smartphones that people are TikToking and going down dark paths and social media, yes, but it's also an incredible tool to liberate, educate. And that is what's happening right now. It's this continuing wave. And I, I know in the beginning you talked about the, the information society becoming the infinite society, and I'm right there with you. But I think the information society is still going. It's still just the beginning. No, it, it is. The, the, the next is, that's the next. Yes. We're, we're still, people talk about the fourth industrial revolution. They talk about that. And I say, that's not the next. That is the same of what we're doing. When, when someone says that we have artificial intelligence, I said, that's information faster, more efficient. It's programming. It's not the next iteration. It's not the next stage. That's when we can get past this. That's my point with that. No, well, there you go. And so look, we're at that point now where people choose. Do I choose darkness? Do I choose light? Do I choose to think of a better future? Or do I just give up and accept someone else's definition of mediocrity and negativity to guide my life? And yet in their hands, their literal hands is every piece of knowledge ever from the human race in every language every painting every book every and, artwork, and every music but that's not what they're watching that's not exactly. what they're reading so my my question is again 
I understand the construct. I understand the concept. I, I, I'm the person that people say, oh, come on, David, why are you so positive? Okay, I, that's, 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 uh, I tell people, you're the, you're the first time you're seeing me today. I have to be positive to the people. It's the world moving forward. But that doesn't help. The, that It's an influence. The old, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. They have the phone in their hand, yep. and they'd rather watch one thing over another. Uh, how, how does it change? That's the frightening part of this. We okay. can't make other people do things. Right? I mean, okay. all the way back to like law and ethics and policy, you can't legislate morality. Trust me, we've tried for about 5,000 years. It doesn't work too well. Yeah. Right? That's why we have police and courts and you don't defund the police. Oh my gosh, these people. I, you just worry about barbarism and yeah, the enemies of civilization and common sense. It's ter- quite terrifying. But the barbar- is, isn't it the barbarians are at the gates? Yes, they are. They're firmly at the gates movie, and they're being funded and fueled reference. by people who don't like democracy. That's a movie reference, right? Oh, absolutely. Massive <laughs> movie literature. Uh, heavy metal reference in a couple of songs. I was just, I was just trying to kumbaya with you. Yeah, right? no, absolutely, right? Well, no, thank you. And, and But this is it. So you have to lay it out for people. You have to put okay. breadcrumbs on the water. They have to make this choice themselves. Peace. You know, they have to do it themselves, David. You have to choose it, right? You have to show, you can show them a better future. You can show them better literature and they have to choose to go look at it. Now, okay, I so have hope. Go ahead. Right? Yeah. Because if you look at the highest grossing most watched film streaming television it's science fiction well beyond any other genre maybe soap operas and i'm not talking about pornography but maybe about soap operas maybe a close second in there right (laughs) i know isn't it great that the greatest thing we ever create for dissemination of knowledge the printing press and it's turned into pornography same thing with the internet i'm like oh my gosh please people I'll probably be uh, quoted on this one day, and I don't want to be. So please, I was—I've spoken all over the world. You've—if you saw my bio and all different organizations, I'm hired by all different groups. And I get this call one day, and they said, "David, would you be interested in?" They, the person said, "David, are you sitting down?" Okay, they're asking me to speak, and they're asking this is a bureau asking me, "Are you sitting down?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, "Would you speak to the adult industry?" And I said, yes. And they said, really? And I said, look, I'm not going to teach him how to do it. What I'm going to do is help to see what the structure is. What was fascinating about the adult industry is you have a lot of people who are just bad people, good people. But there was it was very interesting to learn about where they come from. And something's got to be feeding them. Something's got to be watching. Young men today are watching uh, adult film, adult content in many respects and because of the challenges that are happening with gender and race and laws and policy and, and all these things that are happening. So men are drawing up into their into their hole, into their caves. I don't know how to say it. So yeah, I would say that adult industry is a big one. So how do you how do you take adult industry and science fiction and marry them. Well, not, not to marry them to be a product. Well, you took it a different path. I, I was thinking. I was thinking about the well, Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. But if you say, if you make the sense that science fiction is the most, mm-hmm. and then you say aside from porn, that's why I'm doing this. You can't say aside from it. No, you can't. Because it is a it is a category. So how uh, I would say though it's not. It, yep. Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. No, it's a big you business, understand what I'm it's saying. a category, it's, but it's feeding the bad wolf, not the good wolf. I understand that, but yeah. I so what you're 
but we do have two. We don't have one. We have two, science fiction and adult industry. Therefore, we have to be pragmatic and say they both exist. No, I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not denying the existence. What I'm saying is I would much prefer to focus on the positive feed the white wolf, not the black wolf, the dark wolf, the light, the good, the badness. Okay, so, and so not, not stop feeding it, into we're doing is we're, male insecurities yeah, we're, we're, and male introspection. And look, it's like okay, gambling. So, and I hate to say this, drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography. They're not good for us. They're not healthy pursuits. Sorry. So your take, your take then, because I just, because it existed, it's a piece of data. Yeah. Adult. Oh, no, I'm just, it's, so no, it's, just, it's just a reference point. Right. Right. So I'm oh, saying, so you're saying, now this ties back to, you're saying as part of that answer, let's approach science fiction as a future. Yes. Let's okay. start showing people a positive vision of the future. And I think if, you know, yesterday was May the 4th, right? All the Star Wars stuff and everything else and i well uh, what did you say it was a uh may, may the fourth be with you was that that's what that, yeah that was the thing that, that i think disney's been yeah. doing that with lucas and today is what was today today is national astronaut day may the 5th where we celebrate okay. the first ever american the first ever free human being going to space alan shepard and the echoing thunder of silence around the world is stunning and it's sad but we can fix that. But the idea being that sometimes we believe the bad things before we believe the good. Sometimes we focus on the negativity without looking for the positivity around us. Well, we're coming into an age of fusion power. Finally, right? The application of, ooh, capitalism, shock horror, actually getting things done that governments can't do. And that's how it should be, right? Same thing with going back into space. Same thing with education. Same thing with the application of artificial intelligence. Same thing in boosting education. Same thing of showing people a positive vision of the future. Positive mental I, imaging. We do that in martial arts all the time. If you believe what, you're what, gonna, are, what are you? Sorry? What, what is your what art? Well, I missed you there, David. Sorry, I talked over you. I'm, I'm a, I, I have Taekwondo, oh. black belt Taekwondo first on. What are you? Oh, Taekwondo. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, my, my, my Chosu or Sabonim, both of them would always say, look, if you believe, you can see it, see yourself taking the kick, See yourself breaking that board and you'll be mm -hmm. fine. If you see yourself hurting yourself or not doing it, then you won't do it. Mm -hmm. As I, I think Jerry Pornell was uh, channeling, uh, I wanted to say, oh gosh, Shakespeare's contemporary, where is he? I've got his book, Francis Bacon, sorry. Uh -huh. When I said, if a man believes he's going to be hanged in the morning, he'll generally find a way to make it so. <laughs> okay. Right? And so this idea that we can, it's okay. Like, all of a sudden, the world has had a glimpse of something incredible. And that is human freedom. Look at the explosion of human freedom since the American Revolution. You could say a little bit since the, the Glorious Revolution in Britain, too. Uh, obviously, the French Revolution, maybe not, didn't go too well. But again, a lesson in itself. But look how many democracies there are today. And how many there were 100 years aren't ago? Are we losing democracies? Oh, look how many there are today in the world compared to 100 years ago. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know the data. Yeah, it's, never... it's, it's remarkable. We went from an age of empires to an age of democracy. And it's I mad, see. kicking, chaos. It is just a bunch of bananas, crazy people doing crazy things. But it's still freedom and democracy. 
and that choice of a future, right? You can't make someone, you know, <laughs> go to any, talk to any school teacher. You can't make someone learn something. They have to want to learn it. But if you can start showing a positive vision of the future, if you can start saying to people, look, things are not really as what you think is happening in the world. If you think the world is going to end in climate change, you're wrong. We're solving it. We're solving it using tools from space right now. And people are like, what? No one ever told me that. I said, well, maybe we should start talking about it. Maybe we should start talking about some of the better things. I'm not talking like just a pure good news thing. Great talk at TED this year on good news stuff. But, but the idea being that every time a new technology comes out and impacts the human race, something fundamentally incredible happens. Whether it's printing presses. I mean, look at the change from the first Renaissance to this Renaissance. Uh, the application of AI or the Industrial Revolution and its impact upon human slavery. Right? I mean, this is just, you know, this is one of those things. If you've taken the class and you've che checked out the data and you've peer-reviewed it and everything else, and it's like, oh, it's like human slavery didn't really end because a bunch of nice people got together and said, let's stop human slavery. There's always been slavery throughout all of human history. It was not recently invented at all. Talking to someone of the Jewish faith, how was Moses and how was the Pharaoh, right? It's, it's been going on a long time. It's uh, part of our history. There you go. And what stopped it? So I, I, like, I think like a Socratic thing. So I teach sometimes and I'm like, the Industrial Revolution. No, no, that's a good, no, I'm asking the question because I'm trying to, I want to get my mind around the question. Oh, okay, what right. So what stopped it was the Industrial Revolution, the steam stopped engine. Stopped slavery or stopped, I thought you were referencing the Jewish religion. No, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I said, it's so long, it's been, we even, yeah, I said, history's been around for so long. And I said, you from the Jewish faith would re respond to Moses right. and Pharaoh, right? It's been around for a while. Yeah. And freeing people from slavery. Moses, Pharaoh, right? And so the idea that look, the Industrial Revolution probably had more to do with stopping slavery, the application of technology, than anything else. I know that's controversial. Please never believe a word I say, David. Go check it out for yourself. No, I, I actually was looking up the numbers for democracy. So in 1900, and again, this term democracy is a very ambiguous term because people will say, we're a democracy, and then you're not a democracy. You have fundamental core components of a democracy, but you also have embedded in there all other sorts of uh, governance models. So there is a bit of socialism in democracy, in at least in many countries. Uh, there is all sorts of embedded components. So it's not 100% democracy. It's not 100% capitalism. There's pieces of it. But if we use that data, it said in 1900, 12 countries in the world could be considered democracies while today, according to Democracy Index, there are 75 countries with, with some form of governing, uh, governance in democracy. Yeah. So it's, it's gone from 12 to 75. Yes. Right? Amazing. So I, wanted, I was just trying to make sure the data fit what you were saying. No, thank you. Well, see, exactly. That's, it's, and it's, it's increasing all the time. As people are able to share information, share knowledge, and see this example... That is the United States, for better or for worse. Read that Declaration of Independence. Read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But the interesting thing is, it doesn't list. It says, in 2020, the five countries with the highest scores in the Democracy Index were Norway, Iceland, Sweden, New Zealand, and Canada, They were, uh, which were all considered full democracies. There you go. Well, I, would, I would suggest the United States firmly is, but... Yeah. Sometimes the political leanings of the people. I think it's like 85 or something. Well, sometimes the political leanings <laughs> of the people. There's always a bias in some of that data. Yeah, right. I'm, it's okay. I'm just, I'm joking with yeah. you. So, so uh, 
So the book. Let me. So I was saying that the power of technology to make a fundamental change in human society is astounding. And I would suggest the industrial revolution and the industrialization of farming, the industrialization of mass production, and followed by the electrification and all sorts of things that stem from that is one of the greatest reasons why, for the first time ever in human history, we started to see the abolition of slavery. First time ever. Never, ever happened before. Ever. And the next thing you know, we have machines doing things that people used to do. And now look at us today. Another round of incredible technological change is coming that will free more people to do different things. It's really quite a wonderful time. So, again, I'm... You're... I don't know. Did you watch the two videos from Project Moonhot? Oh, I lost you there a bit, David. Sorry, you, you faded out for a second. Right? Did you watch the two videos from Project Moonhot? I did, yes. Okay. If you saw the second one, which is the hand-drawn one, we're talking about creating and leveraging the innovations, if you remember the storyline, taking the innovations that are used to develop, to go beyond Earth, and the acceleration of innovation, the box of the roof and a door on the moon, the software platform that we're working on, the redefining of what population is, the expansion of ideation around the world, the six mega challenges we need to address. Mm -hmm. you, you, you're, I mean, I could follow your line of thinking. It is what we're working on. I just, I'm asking, uh, the reason I'm asking the questions the way I am is I'm not that I disagree with you. Well, I'm coming at it from a different I'm way. Trying to find, I'm trying to find threads of commonality where when I... Interviews for me are a means to learn something from a different perspective to find a new way or a different way or an alternative way or a better way or however you want to say it. And so sometimes I go dark to find the positive, just like in your brain, you're saying, okay, how does this work? That's my darkness, I meant. And I'm trying, you're, you're saying a lot of things that resonate with me. I'm still trying in your construct to say, how do we get those innovations to go faster? Well, there you go. How do we get them to be more hopeful? So, or how do you know what I'm saying? No, I do. Because look, I mean, at every step, there have been people who have fought against this. People don't like change. I mean, Heraclitus, 4,000 odd years ago, was brilliant, right? <laughs> Why are you using every. People love change. No, they hate change. Can't, David. People okay, really so hate let me change. Get, let me give you a few. Do you like the birth of a new baby? Uh, yeah, but that's not the change I'm how talking about. How about, a, how, about a new, how about a new car, a new home, a new job, a new opportunity to travel? How about winning something? How about learning something exciting? What about a new book that you found? What, a, what about changing your life and finding the love of your life? No, but that's not change. Not the change I'm talking love about. Change. That's, that's opportunistic okay. for, as an individual form of... But people, people do love... To, what they don't love is change that's negative or negative and unexpected. They do love positive and positive and unexpected. Oh, fair enough. Okay. They just don't love negative and negative. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah, the, the forms of change I was going to... Yeah, uh, there you go. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, I, I agree. People do love change, and they do love change that's positive. You win the lottery. You met the woman or man of or friend of your life, but they don't like breaking their arm. They don't like their car breaking down or losing a job. Well, or, I was going to say... Or, that, society, yeah. or society becoming where you can't where someone's buying a gun that you were afraid of you know those type of things where they're afraid of going outside so that's what i meant is people love change that's positive and they love they hate change that's negative all right but we, we, and we should we should talk firearms at some time maybe not on this call but 
right? <laughs> going, for, I think they're, they're, I think they're uh, fundamental to human freedom. Okay, and I don't, I don't have a disagreement with it. I've, I've, uh, I'm a marksman first class. I've shot, but that's it, it's. My father-in-law has multiple guns. I mean, it's it's not something I sit and fret about. It's just that uh, it, it's I, I'm constantly going the whole world over. So my mind is okay. How does that work out in Singapore? What does well, that mean in New Zealand? How does that work out in Paris mean? right now? Right. I see. I yes. see all those wonderful French people singing songs and charging riot police using stun grenades, gas, water cannon. Mm-hmm. And they're shooting fireworks at them and singing songs at them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. How, how's it doing, guys? How's the revolution going? Yeah. <laughs> Not great, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I, so I, yeah, my, my take on it is more neutral. Uh, so, so how do you make that connection? How do you get you? You, you talk to Star Wars, yeah, Star Trek, uh, and you know I'm watching Picard right now. So we we, we did that before the call. Uh, I I love a future. I don't reside in the past that's my, my brain but i'm still asking myself from today let's say today cinco de mayo the, all of those things yeah Pueblo. how do we get how do we get enough individuals how do we get enough mass of positive movement well you're asking them i would suggest you're answering your own question intentionally right? when you talk about demographics because okay. this great thing about the internet is we can connect with other like-minded people Right back when I know I know the old or back in the caveman days, but you know back in the population of an early cave in the Denisovian or whatever period, you would look and say there's probably one or two people at the front of the cave looking outside, going oh look out we should go over there. Everyone else like no we should stay inside the cave where it's safe. Flash forward to today, where there's you know with eight billion people, you know we have there's enough of an audience for thrash metal for that to be an industry, let alone for people looking at new technologies fusion looking at new forms of human liberty and like-minded people getting together. You know, I mean, don't forget, we're living in an age where we have symphonies, operas, where we have, you know, we, it's, you can have communities, conventions. All of a sudden, it's easy to find people of a like mind, for better or for worse. Right. But I always, there's a, there's a balance, there's a challenge. There is, there is. And there's a fallacy out there too. And this was a fallacy, you know, having studied this and looked at this a few times, there was a huge fallacy bred by the former Soviet Union, sadly through people in the West, as Stalin would call them useful idiots. And this great fallacy was, it was a way of tripping up the space program, tripping up technological advancement here in the West. And it worked really well. Uh, the, the Soviets were really good at this, sadly. Uh, the, 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 the propaganda side of things, they were, they were actually sadly really very good at it. It was still feeling the after effects of the poison they injected into our meme sphere of our thought processes right and and it, it is just this constant negativity out there that that progress is negative that scientific progress is bad oh, right yes. and it has yeah, devastated our climate it's a, it's a reductionism versus positive yes exactly yeah, right and that i use the word reductionism yeah. i i've tell i've been telling that's part of project moon reductionism doesn't work exactly you can't tell people not to do things that they've seen and done and even if you tell them that your mobile phone every time you take a photograph it is and post it it's the equivalent of 320 watt light bulbs running for an hour that's the, the person who invented Siri told me this because you have the computers, you have the servers, mm-hmm. you have the power generation for just three. But people aren't going to stop taking photographs. So you can't be reductive in your thinking. You have to be progressive. Well, there you go. 
And it's about people who want to fix the blame instead of fixing the problem. It's uh, this whole thing, too, this great fallacy that came out there that space must have public support. But why? Right? Nuclear fusion doesn't have public support. Biotech doesn't have public support. Why does space need it? Space never had it. Uh, John Logston, an incredible professor uh, from George Washington University, I think he's now retired, but an amazing thinker in this field, and several of his colleagues went back and looked at the Mori poll and other polling data during Apollo. Apollo was never popular. It was popular after we landed on the moon for a brief period. Once it was, once it, once it was successful. Exactly. Before that, it was barely supported. It was knocked about in the press and the media and public opinion and everywhere. And for people to turn around and go, well, we need public support of space. Why? Why? No. You need 536 people or the majority of 536 people to support it. 435 in Congress, 100 in the Senate and a president or a vice president. That's it. If you want government funded space, that's it. 536 people. Boom. Done. Not 400 million. Not 8 billion. Because if everyone has to agree on the next step forward, no one takes a next step forward. Right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm just trying to mapping out models of future in my head. Yeah. Yes. The you know, uh, Today's Congress in general is a challenge. Of course. It's always a challenge. Oh, you should read Washington's letters back to Congress during Valley Forge. Nothing's ever changed. And, and by the way, David, this is one of those great myths, too, about that we've been fed. Um, the founding fathers, go back and read, because that's all we have of them, right? Read what they wrote. Genius. Government isn't supposed to work. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Checks and balances. Congress is supposed to be gridlocked. Yeah, that's why it's tough to get things through. Yeah. It's supposed to do one or two policies. It always has been. Nothing more than that. The American yeah. Revolution is a controlled explosion of liberty. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? And because they looked at what was happening in France, and that was an uncontrolled explosion. And the mob took control, and look what happened. Government's supposed to be, at least in the United States structure, is government's supposed to be slow to move. Exactly. And, and when it makes a decision, it makes one decision. And even with all the bantering back and forth, by the time they're done at the end of the day, one major policy gets through. And if you go to Europe, and I'm, I'm overgeneralizing to all my friends in Europe, but for the most yeah, part in my life, and I'm 53 years old, and I've looked at these things. Oh, and my God. I know, I'm really that, that old? I'm old, right? Gee, wow. And Well, from where I'm from, I'm old. I'm glad I got this interview. I know. I barely make it till tomorrow. Uh, any moment, David, any moment. And that's why I live in Florida, because I feel young. Okay. Right? Okay. But when, and in, in, it's, it's, it shocks my European friends when they find out that even I, or my, and almost, every single, almost every single American I know, absolutely doesn't trust the government to do anything. It's like, but in Europe, they're like, oh, no, the government takes care of this. I'm like, what? Why? Holy crap, why are you letting them do that? They're just other people. Ex oh my gosh, no wonder everything's so screwed up over here. No wonder you're so pessimistic, right? It's absolutely fascinating when you look at this. So my son's coming in at the moment. And so it's fascinating when you look at these things. And that healthy distrust of government over here, which I think is incredibly healthy as a form of distrust in government, right? Why should you trust government? Why? 
I mean, honestly, why? Right? It's the I rule know. of law, yeah. not the rule of government, in a great way. We're all Americans together. We're all equal as citizens, and we're equal under the law. And the idea that you can constantly reinvent America, you can constantly change laws, you can't change the Constitution, some guiding principles there. You can add to it, of course, by consent. But it's the most amazing thing. We change hands in government without mass murder. Do you know how rare that is? Holy smokes. And that's why I talk about at the beginning, the, better is far, the future is far better than you believe it is, than you're being told it is. So, so then tell me... What isn't happening? Well, I remember after the last election, I, uh, presidential election, that is, I had a friend, call from a friend in Washington, and he and I had worked together on presidential campaigns over many years, an amazing intellectual, an incredible person, a great thinker. And he asked me, he called me, he says, is it, is it true that there's trucks driving around shooting people with, with Trump flags in Tampa? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, no, I've been told, I'm in Washington, I've been told it's like, gangs of trucks going around shooting people. And I'm like, the hell are you talking about? No, it's not happening. Who's telling you these things? And this is someone who I still, amazing person. And I'm like going, where are you getting your ideas from? Holy smokes, right? Did you, where did, where were they? Yeah. Oh, there were these people did inside you ask? the beltway, these guys calling me. And I was like, what is? But where did, where were they getting their information? I don't know. I mean, I don't know to this okay. day. And, but he called me out of genuine concern. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, the ability for us to uh, accept and, you know, bad things because it comes from a, a point source of information is terrifying. But I think that is changing as we speak. And I'm not just talking about fact checking and about the change in social media and how we communicate with each other, right? I mean, this happened in the first days of printing presses, happened in the first days of newspapers. Mm -hmm. Remember yellow journalism? Started the Spanish-American War, Hearst. Holy crap, started a whole war to sell more newspapers? Oh, I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you, right? And then you flash forward to radio, you flash forward to television, and now here we are in the, in the internet age of transferring information to and from each other, learning our way on these filters. And now we have AI for good and for bad. And look, and we have Web 3.0. And this is, this is really important, David, if I'm talking to you about this, right? It's massive intersection. People are misunderstanding both. I would suggest the potential of both. Now, in everything, there's a potential for evil. Of course there is. You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. A radio can call in a rescue or an airstrike. Okay, it doesn't mean we stop using radios. But AI has the ability to transform accountability, transform education, transform your daily life, your work life, your civic life. And coupled with what Web 3.0 is actually doing, it's astounding. So David, if I say Web 3.0 to you, what, 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 what comes to mind? It's a, there's different, I've heard different definitions. I have not really researched what Web 3.0 is, but I see as in, I, I've been, let me jump back because I was going to say something before it that kind of ties into it. I had this formulaic of artificial AI plus ML plus 3D printing plus robotics plus sensor tech, and there's one more. And I think that is when what you were talking about just before you got to that stage was the intersection of all of them are happening for the first time in history before they were generating in silos. 
when you changed it, those were now they're converging. So robotics and AI are coming together. Sensor tech and robotics and AI are coming together. So it's the first time in history. So when I think of uh, 3.0, I'm, I'm thinking of decentralization. I'm thinking about the semantic web. I'm thinking of AI and augmented reality and virtual reality, all mixing itself together and giving us different forms of advancement that could be from medical to health to uh, giving leisure time to individuals if in fact it goes in the direction we'd like. And I think if you bring all of them together, you're getting a personalized experience that you wouldn't have had otherwise. I don't know if that's a good definition. No, no, well, thank you. No, and I, I'd suggest, I, I'd like to add to that if I may. Okay. And when I, was, that, was that okay? Yeah, no, it's okay, yeah. Know. And especially you're talking about the mechanics of it. And I'd like to like okay. introduce an additional thought to that. And okay. that is you know, like the work of Yatsu, Y-A-T-S-I-U, Yatsu, great TED talk coming out. He's not the only person talking about this. But the idea that, you know, people talk about the metaverse and they talk about, you know, all these different things that are happening and people running off and doing NFTs and all this other stuff. I'm like, great, right? But what I see as transformational and what Yat talks about too is this idea of data ownership and data freedom. Is that right now, Web 2.0, you're the product. Your data is bought and sold through advertising, through web use, through everything, right? You're the product. Whereas mm -hmm. you go forward, the data is yours. It's just, this is like a, a whole, like an, like an almost a midget, like an Athenian American revolution in personal liberty of data and accountability and data ownership. Now, that, everything from decentralized finance all the way through to blockchain, don't freak out. This is just, you know, it's just a, a ledger. It's a way of yep. taking control of individual parts of data and making them accountable, which we've never had you're as more, a species. You're more, you're more peer to peer. You're more security, yes. pri privacy oriented. Yes. Yeah. You, you've got because the net exists, you're able to create pathways that circumvent centralized systems. Exactly. Now take that and add it to what is just beginning. This is, you know, we talk about, you know, we can talk about, you know, the work of Ray Kurzweil and Peter, Dr. Peter Diamandis and the other, sorry, Dr. Ray Kurzweil yeah. too. And, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Ray, Peter. But, yeah, I, I know. I yeah, know so, I mean, but the I, idea. I, not in depth, but I've, I've met him and I've been on stage. With so him. If, you, if, you're, if you're someone, you know, I remember sabotage, throwing a you know, Japanese lady throwing a wooden block into the sabot, into sabotage, to, you know, this, you know, Luddite's fear of technology. You're living in the wrong age. I hate to break it to you, but if you embrace it, if you understand it, if you just take that little bit of personal choice we talked about in the beginning and just start to look at what's happening. Because look, we're talking about AI at the moment, machine learning. This is now being data-driven machine learning as opposed to rules-based machine learning, which in itself is a fundamental revolution and is astounding, but it's purely silicon-based. Ones and zeros. This is silicon. This is so basic for what's coming. The moment this hits quantum, hold on. It's going to be an astounding future. And people talk about, oh, the man versus machine. or people. I'm like, come on. When's humanity ever done that? No, it's humans and machines and artificial intelligence living and working and thinking together to build a better future. If we allow it to. There will be people who use this for evil, sadly. By the way, an evil does exist. Sorry, there is moral relativism. Oh my gosh, please. Good 
evil, right, wrong. You know, it's it's. I know that's a cultural thing. Trust me, I've done all the anthropology classes, but come on. There are some cultures that do slightly better than others because guess what? They take this approach, right, of information security. Pushing, I mean, as Neil Stevenson talks about pushing out of ancient Samaria all the way through actually to the Judaic religion, you know, a rules-based religion, right? Information security, firewalls. We did not. We did on our other podcast, uh, Redefining Tomorrow, we have, I had Celia uh, Merzberger, Barker. I think she's the, was the head of SRI, the executive director of SRI after, uh, what's his name, Carlson, who was also on our program. And we did talk about quantum, and I, you're giving a, the way you presented it is you believe that quantum is much closer than I think she was professing it to. Oh, Hugely much closer because AI will accelerate it, but also David. Well, she's she's the reason I'm saying it is that's what she does for a living. Yeah, yeah, no, fair so enough. But David, don't forget, you and I are talking, right? Yeah, we're a bioelectric quantum computer in our heads. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. We still haven't figured out how the brain really works. No, we don't even know how it turns off. Exactly, on. we're a. Bi- well, yeah. I mean, we're we're in a we're in a we're in a in a womb, and there's no switch. And at some point, it turns off. Some point, the breath of life like, hits us. How, right. how, how does it turn off? Yep. We don't know. How does it know to do the things it needs when it turns on? Like all the mechanisms are in place. It's not like when you I've built homes and worked on construction. You have to make sure all the wires are in place. You have to make sure the doors work. But nope, just somehow it knows that everything is ready to flick the switch. Thought-provoking, isn't it? And by the way, the human brain it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, what does that? And and it doesn't just do it for humans. It does it for a cow. It does it for an amoeba. It does it for all species on this planet. They just turn off. But we are unique, right? And that's the unique thing about human beings. We are the only um, variable in the universe that we know of. Sun still oh, shines. <laughs> Dolphins still go eat, 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 and eat the fish. Squirrels catch nuts for winter. The cows go moo, right? But we think about consequences, actions, good, evil. We make decisions that impact things are way beyond ourselves. Uh, Albine. But but you do know, according to Star Trek, that the whales have a lot going on. They're communicating. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, there was galaxies. another great talk at TED last week about uh, about actually you know using AI. And big data to actually start breaking down whale song, truly breaking it down. Yeah, because yeah. because they're you know, being able to transmit a sound from one side of the planet to the other. All right. So here's a great great thought ex- experiment that Robert Heinlein used to write about, the great sci-fi author, also a great thinker too. Uh, he said, "Okay, you take a human child, male or female, and you raise it with a pack of wolves or a pack of chimpanzees, and that human child will grow up." acting, behaving, and doing everything it can to be a chimpanzee or a wolf. You take a chimpanzee or a wolf cub and you raise it in a human family and it doesn't happen. Right? Mm -hmm. So whatever you first put into a human mind, whatever operating system you load into it. Remember this thing we're talking about, the negative influences coming into kids and and, uh, remind me about Picard in a second. I want to tell you about that. But you look at that and it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, that's a bioelectric computer but in between my ears, right behind my eyes. What operating system am I choosing to, to run? 
Am I running a Judeo-Christian Islamic Sons of Abraham one? Mm -hmm. Am I running a Buddhist one? Mm -hmm. Am I running uh, atheist? Yeah, depending on where you, depending on where you, where wherever you were born, you were given an operating system. Well, wherever, whichever your family chose to raise you in a modern world, right? No, what I'm saying is, if you were born, if you are, you're. Uh, your Christianity is important to you because you were born in one country. If you were born in India to someone who... Oh, and Hinduism. Oh, of course, yeah, Hinduism and, and Jain. I mean, all sorts of things. Yeah. If you, if yeah. you were... So, yeah, wherever yeah. wherever operating system was part of what you were given when you came out is the one you... You could reject yeah. it, but you still have... You can't, you can't eliminate some of the behaviors that humans adopt when they're young because they become embedded in them as well i would suggest america's different that david too so say you're from india an incredible country right. you know jai hind jai ho my, my godsons yeah. are indians i love india and you've grown up in in you know what's a working democracy always redefining itself too oh, but some semblance yeah. and remnants of the caste system and you come to america yeah, spend to spend a good amount yeah. of time yes. and you come to america and there is no caste system. You come, you grow up in a, uh, in a totalitarian country. Come out in North Korea. Come live in America. It's a shock to the system, but oh, oh my goodness, you can learn to live a new way of living, free. Yeah, and I've met people who've yeah. done that. So isn't it fascinating, right? So now take that take the idea of an AI. All right. So the idea of what you put into yourself is so important from an early age. I mean, do you let the child? You know, do you let your kids grow up watching pornography or you know Hans Christian Andersen? Right. I mean, there's there's age appropriate material for a reason. Right. Because we're trying to create modern human beings who will be happy, productive members of society. Right. We're not trying to create miserable people we seem to be doing that. So Ken Robinson talked a lot about that, about the state of schools and everything. Well, yeah, but he had no answers. No. For 17 million views on Ted, there is he did not give one single answer. Yeah. To solve so it. Just, it was all negative. But Sigurta Mita, winner of the Ted Prize in 2013. Right. That's he different. Did. That's a different talk. He did solve it. And his revolution Correct. of self-organized learning environments is spreading around the world like, like wildfire. It's astounding the results of self-empowered human beings using the internet, not fearing it, using it as a source of knowledge to help make decisions. And then add AI. So we're the last generation who will grow up and live without AI. We're, we're, the, we're the generation with you know, generative networks, you know, distributed. I mean, all this Dan's GANs and everything else. Oh, my gosh. Right. We're going to have a family AI. I've already made that decision. I'm going to have an AI. My son, my wife uh, will have an AI running that, you know, to help me support running the house, the family business, the family investments, the local town, village, city, state, nation, division, companies. AIs are partners. They are fellow thinking beings as they mature and grow with us, and they will guide us throughout our lives. They are there like Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder to say, hey, what about this? What about that? To hopefully guide the better natures of our lives. I think to make better decisions and better education. Imagine being educated by an AI, never gets tired, never judges you. Just takes your performance and makes you better every single time. Oh my goodness gracious me! Individual attention, individual focus. The, the, I think there's a there's a, I think we have to step back in terms of AI. 
the term AI is used ubiquitously to mean a variety of things, and you're using it to be a not sentient, but a a general a decision making tool uh, to help you make better decisions. Okay. But AI has three hundred different disciplines with inside sure. of it, including, for example, uh, MA. Oh no, I, oh no, and like I said, this is machine learning as opposed to rules driven. Right. Uh, machine, I mean, right. AI and everything else, but also, Most I mean, look at Khan Academy, their announcement this week. And if you haven't, please do. But the but the thing is, we Google was using a version of AI for predicting what you would type, so it would drop down. Oh the, yeah, well everyone has drop down a menu. Long time. So we've been having AI. I think what you're talking about is a uh, a version of AI during our lifetime that will be able to fulfill the dreams and aspirations that individuals have had around the world as to what it could be. Oh, I would even say in uh, the next I, two years. Okay, so do you believe with this, uh, whatever version of AI we're talking about, do you believe that the eradication around the world of some of these huge challenges with countries and democracies or republics or uh, autocracy, do you believe that it will all just change? I think it, for the it's better? not going to flip overnight because you're going to have people who use it, don't use it. You're going to have people who use it productively and people who use it negatively. You're going to have states that use it to control their populations and other states that use it to raise up their populations. So, so your expectation is that if we were to go 20 years from yeah. now with AI, yeah. the world will definitely be, uh, people will be free from menial tasks. People will get along much better. They will communicate with one another. They will put down their mobile phones and go out and talk to their neighbors. We won't have the conflicts out there because AI will make that happen. No, I would suggest that those who choose to live in societies that allow that to happen and use it as a positive tool and work towards that positive future, you will see on aggregate a positive change in your lifestyle, your style of living, your impact upon the climate, your economic well-being, and your personal and family and societal wealth. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing when I'm asking these questions. Yeah. I, I, I'm using AI I'm all the time. I, I'm constantly asking questions of systems that give me data, give me information. And I do love using chat because I used to have to ask my wife to say, could you edit this because I'm not the best editor? And now I could put something in or ask some information and get what I need in 30 seconds that would have taken me three hours before. Oh, and that's just an enhancement tool. It's giving you more free time. Right. It's just, a, right. It's giving me ability, but it's it's not freeing me up because Isn't I guess I, I have to work on something else with it. David, you just said it, right? In the old days, yeah, we'd have been out plowing a bloody field, right? And now we're not. Well, well, actually, I'm going to say that it might be good for a lot of people to get. Oh, out I'm not. Oh, come on! I'm not talking about exercise. Field. People can go have more have free time now to exercise. But what? <laughs> no, they won't. There will be no look, more look, exercise. But what I am talking about, we live in an age where we've got we put incredible, amazing machines into space. We're full of cameras and sensors that are helping. You know. Make accountability. Right, they're they're, they're watching the the changes in the oh, weather, everything. the water exactly, changes. Right? You could see and yet, travel, and yeah, and yet we still have human slavery, and yet we still have cannibalism in parts of the world. And 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 by the way, a lot of this is being fueled in terms of the electric grid by yep. cobalt and nickel and all of these new mines that are popping yep. up that are be, putting 
people into slavery. And so we need to fix that too. And it will get fixed with robotics. Look, I mean, look, there's no... And this is the thing too. We've been led to live in a society where people has to be yes or no. And it's like, no, there can be a menu of choices and we're in making incremental improvements here. And because something wasn't perfect, it is discarded. I was like, like, this whole conversation about the founding of America. And they say, oh, but it was founded by these terrible... I'm like, excuse me? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, there were people from all over the world doing this thing. It was an incredible thing. And they say, oh, because that person did one bad thing in their life, I am to do just disregard everything they ever did. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, that, I don't know where that comes Neither do from. I. That's, I don't know. It's really it's, strange. It's, I, I see that often. We have someone who just joined our team. Extremely brilliant. Off the charts. And I had this call and I asked a bunch of questions. I, I didn't ask a lot. I asked what she was involved in, what her history has been, what projects she's done. And at the end I said, I have only one real question. Why in your history of all these amazing things, and I'm taking a guess here, that they didn't all come to fruition? The person stopped. Because she never talked about them not coming. And it was, it was a, a small alteration that she needs to help her behavior to get to that point. Extremely brilliant. But humans discount her because of those behavioral traits. She's had challenges with them. So the, I'm, I, the reason I brought that up is that we've got traits that we all carry around with us. And I'm trying to – remember I said to you the one reason that uh, – People like the interviews as they find themselves looking out the window. They find themselves writing notes. They we're not seeing each other. Is that I'm looking out the window? I'm looking out the window, saying to myself, "Okay, how do we embed some of the things that you're thinking from your angle to the Mirthlink platform and to Mirth Discovery and Mirth Magic and Mirth Space Industries Corp? And how do we bring them all together so that we can get a faster acceleration?" So again, I go back to the question. We can talk about positivity. We could say that it will happen. You and I started off this conversation, I believe, with the challenges of youth in the world today and the lack of hope mm -hmm. that people have. Uh, do you know where I find my hope? In where? the most subversive literature and entertainment. Oh, you didn't say me. You should have said David. Oh, David, I'm sorry. You too, David. But also, but it's, look, it's in, look. You find it. In I, find it I find it in science fiction, which is the literally most subversive stuff you can read, because most of the, most intellectuals pay so, zero attention to it. Now, thought provoking it can be. So you're saying you find it in um, written, uh, you like the the medium of the the book or material. Yes. Oh, always. Okay. Oh, yes. And it's different than when you say science fiction. I immediately go to see. Movies. There you go, right? Movies, what, but I, I love its embodiment. Sometimes. Like in 2001 or Interstellar. But you like to read I like it for to read you. It. That's the transformation. Yeah. Okay. And because it's thought-provoking. So, and there was a great... So when, when Robert Heinlein died, there was, a, I think, a book called Requiem. And it was a collection of short stories and letters that he'd written to people or people had written to him or about him. And there was a lady who I think was head of the National Science Foundation. And maybe, I think, from memory, a Nobel laureate. I could be wrong. Uh, but she said, look, you gave me a future. When I was 12 years old, all my friends were playing with Barbie, listening to pop songs and everything else. And I was reading about biotech, nuclear fusion, nanomaterials, human liberty, 
tyranny, freedom, and an incredible future. And no one else... You, you grew up reading science fiction and you're automatically pre-programmed to think about alternatives for the future and a different future, better or worse. It's incredible. And you make that assumption about people. Now you get into your tribe in life. Remember you said, oh, how do we find all the people? Well, we're in tribes already. You know, there is the space industry. There is this industry. That is, we're trying to bring them all together because it's all about a common, focal, better future. Right? I did tell you space is not an industry. I know. So it's a geography. I know you did say that. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's just, okay. Uh, no, but yeah. So, so you're saying that the truck, so are you believing, and again, I'm just asking these questions to get my mind around what you're thinking. Are you believing that the small groups of people who are doing these uh, bad word, technology, futuristic, whatever category, these small groups of people are what will make the change. Yes. And the masses, and the masses will yes. follow. Yes, and I'm saying that based on absolute 100% historical precedent. Okay. An example. Where, where in your crystal yeah. ball, which areas? Because I, I don't. After talking with Cecilia, I don't see quantum where you see mm -hmm. quantum. But where in your crystal ball do you see the the magic moments? Oh, I see the magic moments uh, when you pull together exponential technologies and you add the ability to go to space for energy and resources. Because you change that scarcity equation, that whole club of Rome, and bless their hearts, as I've learned to say in the South, and a bunch of professionally negative people who sound intelligent by being negative the whole time. And as Dr. Jerry Pornell in 1979's A Step Farther Out that Larry Niven did the forward for, which Jeff Bezos literally quotes from, they were like a voice in a hurricane by saying, look, wait a minute, Club of Rome, your computer models might be wrong. Might be. You might have missed a couple of key inputs. And that is number one, human ingenuity. Number two, the application of technology to make a better world. And number three, hugely, the impact of going to space upon our psyche and upon our ability to gain access to resources, new learning and energy. And it fundamentally changes the equation for the human race. Because all of a sudden, we're not sharpening knives to fight over an ever-decreasing pie. We've expanded the pie infinitely. And we're the first generation to see this. Like, I mean, David, I don't know about you, but talking to friends, this whole nonsense of these crazed boomers who just won't bugger off. Sorry. It's unbelievable. That's, that's, that, that's not a bad I know. Word. Oh, I can't say the word boomer. But I mean, good grief, please, these people. I mean, look at Putin and Xi Jinping. Uh, maybe an RM yeah. president, the last two of them. And I'm like going, oh yeah. my gosh, you you grew up in a scarcity mentality. You can't even envision the world that you're living in today. It's terrifying to see the actions of Putin. You know, I mean, to someone who just doesn't seem to make, really be retained as he got older, say it that way, his decision-making ability of a rational thought, why are we fighting that war? I know why we're fighting it, but why did it start? Holy crap. We're living in an age where famine is a political creation for the first time in human history, right? It is unbelievably medieval in the worst possible meaning of that word that this is happening. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, even inside of that, there are only a few major organizations who supply most of the product. And that product that's out there is harmful to the human body. And then look at Xi Jinping. With the and what's happening in the People's yep. Republic of China, 
one of the old, one of, but not the oldest, one of the oldest civilizations in the world, and the terrible direction its leadership have taken it, where we're on the brink of, I would say, maybe sadly, we've already been, we've been in World War III for the last four years, I would suggest. It may be even slightly longer when the history books look back, right? We don't always see the dominoes falling behind us. But when we look at this, we I say- I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it when I lived in Asia. So I would say, I wouldn't go back, I would say three years, but I didn't feel it when I lived there. Well, there you go. I mean, it's like when people talk about when did World War II start? It depends who you ask. Uh -huh. If you ask the Chinese, it started in 1932, right? If you ask, you know, Europeans, it started in 1939. Or did it start in 1936 well, with the Spanish Civil War? I, I was there and I didn't feel it. Yeah. So I would, yeah, it's going to be an interesting Well, I was going to say thing. rabbits. Yeah, I was going to say think, frogs boiling in water. Do you think World War Three will happen? Oh, yeah. As Jerry Pornell says, there's something we call peace because simply there are gaps in between wars. Very profound. We're a warlike species. And what are we fighting about? 17,000. There's been 17,500, I think it's 17,500 some odd uh, conflicts recorded since the beginning yeah. of time. And what do we fight over? That's a large number. It's a massive number. If you but think what do we fight it. over, David? Resources. I'm worried I won't have enough. I want more. Right? The idea the word river and the word rival have the same derivation. We fight the other tribe for fresh water. A barrel of fresh water is still more expensive than a barrel of oil. It is the most arcane, bizarre, exactly. backwards thinking. It's dangerous. So I'm going to take you to I'm going to take you yep, to a sorry. place, and hopefully you'll enjoy this little journey. I'm pulling it up right now because I've got Moon Hut University. Uh, let me see if I could find the slide very easily because it was Gaia in Picard mm -hmm. was Gaia in a in Picard. Right, was, <laughs> was in a um, what's this? Yeah. She was in, Not a, a geek. Right. in the bar and she was oh, she's in 10 4, but yes. Picard. And no, no, this was in. Picard. Yeah, yeah. So she's in 10 Ford in San Francisco. And she named the bar. This, right. 10 in Ford San Francisco. In San Francisco. Sorry, yes, I'm a real. You know, on I'm the, really on the play. Yeah, I, I yeah. just went to the, the galaxies. Yep. Okay. And she said this because you're kind of. Well, she said it, but the script writers are incredible writers. Said no, this. Well, the, yes. I said, she, uh, well, guy, she didn't actually exist either. It was yeah. an actor. Actor. Uh, do you know that they're actually killing the planet? Yeah. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Facts aren't even facts anymore. A few folks have enough resources to fix all the problems for the rest, but they won't because their greatest fear is having less. There you go. We have only one tiny ball in the, in the entire galaxy, and all the speci species wants to do is fight. Yeah. When we were... I don't know if you when, when you heard it, but oh, I... Yeah. Played it over and over to get it, so I because it's not transcribing for me, and that I, and I think that's a brilliant line, and you're you're echoing. Oh, that. it's a subversive line. It's a thought provoking line. It is a. Oh yeah, it's three lines. But it's a mind changing. It's a decision changing line of thought. And that the the greatest fear is having less. So where do you did you ever learn that at school? Do you ever hear that from a politician? Do you ever see that in the general media? No, you see it in science fiction. Right, yeah. and so it's an incredibly interesting thought. So, strange new worlds. The yeah. the first episode of that talks about you know it's, a lot of it's political allegory. It wasn't the original Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry and Rod, what Rod and the team and the others are doing at the moment is astoundingly good, and it is just thought provoking. We can choose to live a better life. 
we don't have to fight over all these resources. And it's a generational shift, I would suggest, because we have grown up with these other new thoughts, these new ways of thinking, right? And it's astounding. So when we see the actions of what's happening with Taiwan and China and the South China Sea, like, why? Why do you need, you've got the entire universe. Why do you need that, right? And you take a different approach to this, and it's, it's an incredibly liberating thought. It's incredibly frightening, a lot of responsibility here. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I can act. Because one of the problems we've all had growing up is the school systems that we went through. Now, hear me out on this one, okay? Not quite Sir Ken Robinson stuff, mm-hmm. stuff. Not quite at all, He's, right? <laughs> but here's the thing, right? We've all been put through what is colloquially, colloquially, called the Victorian education system. That is for the first time in human history for roughly the last 100 years and a little bit more, maybe 120 years, we've been going to schools. And people forget, oh, we always went to school. No, no, no. Most human beings have been uneducated for all of human history, right? You might have had a tutor if you're in ancient Rome, if you were rich enough. You might have been taught to read and write if you became a priest or a monk. It's really been, no. This is the first time we've had formalized education. A lot of that education was because we needed people to work in factories. And we needed people to run empires, right? To read, write, and do arithmetic. And to be able to be interchangeable into different jobs and skills. To be able to acquire new skills by reading, quite the revolution in human history and what you know again brought about by technology itself and technology's needs right but there you are in a classroom by the way if you notice that when you go to school it's nine to five for most countries some are different i know and but strangely though those 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 hours of school tend to precondition you to go work in an office or a factory and yeah, yeah it was, it's structured strange that isn't it not a coincidence and yet you say teacher Teacher, might go to the. You put your hand up. Hey, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? Yes or no. Uh, teacher, can I answer the question? Teacher, can I have a revolution? Right. Science fiction teaches you not to ask to have a revolution. And thankfully, science fiction is so personally, individually libertarian and liberty focused about individual responsibility, about the idea that you can have an impact. I remember growing up. In my history class, I had some really good history teachers. I was very fortunate. They used to make us think and challenge us when we were younger. And they would say, okay, here's the Soviet version of history that uh, there, are, there are vast movements in history and individuals don't count and things are going to happen regardless of you. And I always remember saying to my teacher, then why do they tell us about Lenin, Stalin, Marx and Trotsky? They were individuals. And the teacher just literally put his finger on his nose and pointed at me and said, bingo, it's bullshit. Now, to a 15-year-old, having your teacher tell you, yeah, there were bullshit in class, I was like, oh my gosh light bulbs went off and I was like oh my goodness gracious me isn't that interesting if there wasn't a Washington would there be an America that type of an approach if there wasn't a Lenin would there have been a Soviet Union or would Kerensky's government have kept going and for those who don't know Kerensky look him up right I mean I'm talking to you David there people forget that Russia was at a, a brief stint as a democracy before communism took its evil evil hold and you'll see that playing out again in Picard. Talk about Picard, third final season. Halfway through the season, a very dramatic episode opens up. Because, of course, you know, the first, you know, the next generation, the, well, the, the, again, allegory, symbolism, mythology. 
when you talk to British people and you talk about their past, you talk about the different kings. We've got a coronation happening tomorrow. Amazing, right? Great for them. I'm an American now in a lovely way. And you look at this and you say, okay, is, is, is it, are a people their history or how do you find the culture of a, per, of a people? Do you look at their aspirations? Do you look at the round table and the Arthurian legends when you think about Britain? Even today, I was listening to the BBC and they were talking about knights in shining armor. And I was like, wow, still using that phrase. Interesting. And how people identify with that, as opposed to the actual history. It's aspirational stuff. And when you look at what happened at the, you know, in the late 80s, beginning of 90s, what was happening? It was the fall of the Soviet Union. The, the, who, the people who we thought were completely unbeatable. You're right. The, 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 we thought we were all going to either end up dead in a concentration camp or covered in radiation burns or put against a wall and shot by those monsters. They've killed more people. That one murderous, oh, yeah. disgraceful, oh my gosh, talk about negative thinking, right? That one horrific train of thought has killed more human beings than disease in the last hundred years. And still people go, oh, it wasn't done properly. Oh, I'm God. Oh, I'm sorry. How many more hundreds of millions have to die for it to be done properly, right? Sorry, I get a bit, you know. But there they were, the Borg, the enemy, the bad guys, right? In the, in the sort of, in the late 90s, sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And they were defeated and we moved on to this great future. And now we find ourselves, again, sadly, facing a rise of totalitarianism. Right, just just for you know, for sadly predictable reasons, but it's happening. And yet again, we turn to science fiction, and we see a portrayal of all these different things. And I think one of those episodes of Picard was absolutely fascinating. Because they, oh, and go watch it; it's great TV, right? It's just great, glorious television. Uh, it, it, it uh, we've had some members of our team who have said they've really loved it, so I decided that I would take the the, the plunge. So I've watched the first two seasons, and I'm watching. Oh, well, the third. Right? It's it's very good. Some people absolutely love it. I'm I I think it's really good. I love the love yes. story part of it. That to me is always there. There you go, pretty woman. Right, because <laughs> technology changes, but people are still people, no matter where and when we are, and that will never change. So, which which part of that uh, Picard were you? Gonna oh, I was going to reference one of the, one of the mid mid season shows. It starts with the, the opening line is a signal is corrupting our youth. And it's the reemergence of the Borg, the reemergence of communism. And this time it's like, oh my gosh, right? And it has to be defeated again. And do you see an, an, an allegory with the modern world? Ever so slightly? Maybe, right? And it's, it's fascinating. But a signal is corrupting our youth. And I remember we talked about this at the beginning of our conversation earlier. Like a signal is corrupting our youth. They're being fed negativity. Something is growing the bad wolf inside them, the black wolf. Not a black as in color and race, but black and white, good, evil, right? The darkness inside them is being fed. And it's a hungry wolf. And if you don't feed the white wolf, if you don't give goodness, right? And I was, a lot of people I, I have the privilege of working with, and we talk about this a lot. And we talk about what do you want to be in life? A sheepdog or a wolf? Being a wolf is easy. Right, Socrates, or was it Socrates or Plato talked about one of their colleagues who'd given up on ethics and morals and was a wolf walking around on two legs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. A human being without moral or ethical guidance is an animal, has an undeveloped conscience, a psychopath or worse. They're an animal. They're not a human. Don't believe me, go check it out. I, I never, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. My mind is racing. I never considered the Borg. Oh my gosh, yeah. Resistance because, is futile, David. 
Yes, but the Borg works collectively together, yeah. and they are successful uh, in their domination. Yeah. And they, as you come in, so I, I mean, I've never, I've never heard what you just said, which is fascinating. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I've never heard that. I've never heard a reference. I've never read a reference. So when you come in, as a, I, I got my yeah. background in political science and everything else. Now that's how I look at it, right? And it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating yeah. that you do. I think that's a. It's a, I'm trying to get my mind around how you've come to that because there are things that we're kind of you're kind of saying there's there's no free will mm -hmm. and that the ideology is the the collective underpinning principles are communism and I'm kind of seeing I, I see the stretch there and I can see the analogy but I never saw it so I'm just kind of like well, yeah right interesting isn't it and yet who stands up against them. The United Federation of Planets, which is a group of individuals who are passionate about liberty, tiny group of people stand up and defeat them. Remind you of 13 colonies going up against the greatest land empire in human history and beating them because of conviction, optimism, and really quite intelligent action. Is this, is this your perception of this or is this a general thought that other people I don't know. Because I think it's fascinating that you're making these points and I had never drawn those together and I've never read about them. So I think it's interesting that you're commenting. On oh, maybe them. I just, it might just be me. I don't know. Because yeah, no, it's actually it's actually interesting, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not. It's not a judgment call. It's more, wow, okay, y y you have one of the. I don't remember. It was. I think I asked you at the beginning of this. Where have you lived around the world? I just don't remember if it was our pre-conversation. And you listed the countries that you've lived in, and one of the big positives of living in different parts of the world is you see the world very differently. You. When you land on someone else's shores, you can decide to be the country that you come from, or you could try to uh, be a part of a new experience. And you're, you have this tenacity or this, this love for the policy and the, the challenges that the U.S. has or the non-challenges, but you also love the the, the American spirit, and I'm going to say a collective human American spirit, which I think is fascinating. So now it's translating into yes. Star Trek. And I had never, and uh, you, you and I, uh, we've got these young kids we talked about growing up in America who don't have hope today. They don't see the future. They are living lives that we're questioning, but that's always been for older people and young people. But we're challenged with them, and you are bringing an optimistic perspective to a technology-driven, change-driven future that will alter behavior in a way that makes, I'm going to use the collective, the collective Earth, or as we call it, mirth, the mirth new future completely different, which I, I think, I, again, I, the, the United Federation of, I never looked at it that way. Not once. See, isn't that amazing? So when I was growing up, right, I would look at everything was, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And Britain was not exactly a happy place. You know, socialism. Why? Was I don't, I, you give me the Oh time gosh, three days, I mean, uh, gosh, massive socialism, mass strikes, literally dead bodies piling up on streets, garbage not being collected. Now I'm not talking about modern Manhattan, sorry. Uh, but I'm talking about what was happening in the 70s, like communism, socialism, 
fighting people, just miserable. The world was ending, the three-minute warning. And then came Reagan and Thatcher. And people hate them. And I don't, to this day, I kind of, but no, not really understand why. And people like, and Pope John Paul II came too. And they said, was it Thatcher was too conservative, Reagan was too Republican, and the Pope was too Catholic. And there's amazing books where they would swap letters with each other and support each other. Not all the time, right? But to say, look, you know, have faith. It's dark as before the dawn. We can pull through this. We don't have to succumb to the collective, to the death camps. What do, what do they call communist countries? It's, it's a, a, a prison up top and a mass grave below. Every single time, without exception. Now, I prefer the alternative, where we at least have a chance of making a better future. And I think that's what's happening here. But when you get fed that stuff, and I, I sort it out, I wouldn't listen to the negative. I, I would literally fight people for control of the television so I could watch an episode of Star Trek or even Jacques Cousteau, right? Show me brightness, show me hope, show me a path forward. Show me a light in the darkness. And the, and the mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom. Oh, wait, I never saw that growing up because we didn't have that when I was, yeah. I, I, did, I missed oh, that one. Okay. I, I found out later it was all in, in a big fence in Texas somewhere or something. No, the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom was the around oh, the world. Oh, cool. It was showing plants and species and things. So that was like Sunday night in the United States. You were allowed to stay up for Disney and Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, which I think came before it. So you watched this educational show and then you watched the yeah. Disney program. And how, I don't know about you, Dale, but I thirsted for stories. I thirsted for this stuff. I was, I'm dyslexic. So I had a lot of trouble reading. And it's only as I got older that I was, my, you know, they say the dyslexic, dyslexic mind, you learn to solve problems differently, but also your brain starts to catch up with everyone else a little later in puberty, where you start to rewire your own brain. Not, not by choice, it really? just happens. I didn't know that. Right, okay. and so I'm, I was a late bloomer and a late reader. And it hits my endorphins like you wouldn't believe. But the idea that you could load apps into your head of new knowledge and new ideas, which is what we do to our bioelectric quantum computer, right? Same way our immune system is updated with vaccinations, right? Here's, here's, here's smallpox 2.0 vaccination. Take this one, right? It's incredible. By the way, we're all transhumanists some... too. I love that. I, mine was a little, it's not the same in that way as my parents would say. We had a world book. We couldn't afford the Encyclopedia Britannicas, but we had a world book series. And my parents would say, go upstairs and take a look. Pull up the thing on alligators. Well, alligator is A-L, but there's an A-A and an A-B and an A-C. And my parents would say, you'd never come down because I'd open up the book. Oh, I see. Lovely, reading. right? Yes. But I didn't do what you did, which is fascinating. You are very you, historical reference, political references. You, you've read a lot of classics. Uh, I was sciences. I was in a completely different genre. I was constantly wanting to learn, but in a different Well, And that's and, and so that thing he, of growing up. And I, you know, I, I am a faith. I firmly believe in God. And you know, the idea of this universe and our unique place in it and our ability to, to love and kindness and to do better and to be the only person we need to be better than, than is our former selves of yesterday, as Robert uh, Hemingway said, right? Never be better than your, your fellow man, just be better than yourself. And this idea, and I remember growing up during those times and thinking, no, all of these things are saying about America, that's not what I see. 
right? I'm seeing something different than what I'm being told in the media. I'm going to go look at this for myself. You do. You do. You very much do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, fasc it's fascinating to hear the, uh, the propensity and focus. I, I, the, I kind of think of you seeing America as the – I mean, this is a bad analogy, but the tip of the spear – it's it's leading, and I don't mean it in a in a like hunting way. I just meant it as no, a okay. spear. Is that you see the 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 behavioral, societal, the structural, the demographics, the uh, the education, whatever you want to add into that mix as pulling or pushing or however you want to everything forward. Yes, without any doubt at all. Okay. Okay, and, and I was just trying to get my mind, as I said, the whole time I'm trying to get my mind around, and you are just like, oh my God. And it's, and, and, the, and the spear is in one person's hand running in the front. It's not, you know, it's like, where is everybody? It doesn't matter. I'm going to go this exactly. way. Exactly. Anyway. And I've lived here for 27 years, right? And I've been fortunate to work in Washington. I did two stints uh, with uh, senior President Bush, worked for Paul Sarbanes. I've been very lucky, Democrat, Republican. I've been in and out and all over the place. And I still see incredible things that I never see anywhere else in the world. And I travel a lot. And there is an element of optimism and freedom here, which you just don't find elsewhere. And that, and this unique ability to grasp and see a better future and act upon it is so empowering for the rest of the human race and so important, especially as we have AI, what's the next web three and everything else, and then throw in what's happening in space throw in the opening of these new resources and this new activity, this changing of the equation, the idea that we don't have to fight over everything down here, right? And I know you're going to find a lot of people who are out there go, oh, well, professional, I call them professional well, I, negatives. I, I, right? Okay, what have you ever contributed? Again, I'm, life, I'm, right? I'm tr I, I've worked in over 50 countries. Uh, I, like you, I've traveled about 250,000 to 300,000 yeah. miles a year. Uh, you name the countries, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Cambodia, Malaysia, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, go to Colombia, go to South Africa, Botswana. You just, I mean, same thing, Israel, uh, Dubai. You just said that you don't see these no. things. And, and I, I'd never, I'm not seeing what you saw. I would be in a factory in Bangladesh and Oh my God! Once they were shot. Oh, that's a path. different thing, right? And well, I yeah, and maybe 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 it could be the energy I bring in because Mr. Park, absolutely amazing guy. Uh, Mr. Park is very um, South Korean, very strong, very powerful Korean group manages that. But when I showed them a different way, oh my God, they were eating it up, and it doesn't matter where I was working, Sri Lanka. Yeah, there was all. I never saw what you're saying. I saw the desire to build, the desire to do new things. I didn't see the same anti-governance. Like Americans will say, "I don't care. I'm just going to do it anyway." That's another step beyond. I'm not going to care what they say. I'm well, David, I was always told. I did see a lot of that positive. I mean, look at look at even under Xi. Look at what happened in Shanghai. But was it under Xi or was it under 30 Deng? 30 years. Happened? Didn't happen under Xi. 
Right. It was Well, I'm just talking about yeah. people in general. I'm not putting it under a person. I'm just saying, look at what's happened in these countries. Look at the expansive growth. Look at the opportunities. You've been to Singapore, oh, I'm yeah. assuming, many times. Yeah. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, I see a different world. And I'm trying to get to say, okay. Well, I have, I have a potential answer for you. Okay. Thank you. Because this is the only country that I've ever found where people ask one question, and it's a one-word question. And that question is why. I was to say it was why. why? It's definitely yeah. why. Someone says, "Let's go do this." I think Americans yeah. ask. I think Americans ask a different question. I think. Oh well, why, why not? not? Oh no, absolutely. Why and why not? And and you know, some parts of the world. Well, pretty much I, in my own opinion, right? I could be wrong. I am very wrong normally. But the idea being that, you know, most people say well, we've done it this way because we've always done it this way. Don't question. Just do. Right. And the people who say, let's do something new and different, don't always do well in other countries. Most of them end up coming here. Maybe it's the ecosystems that. Well, don't forget. Because I've sat in so many amazing meetings. I mean, David Butts, who runs Tektronics, uh, new product development, good friend. And. You, do you know yes. the name Tektronics? Yeah. Let me back up. Okay. Uh, for those, this is um, AEG, Milwaukee, Dirt Devil. Who, who are you talking to, David? Because you said there's uh, no one else listening. Well, I, I did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but sometimes, and I forgot to tell you this, sometimes when there needs to be a reference. <laughs> Got you. I no worries. I'm pulling your leg. Sorry. Yes. I leg. broke it. I broke it. Why not? You, you uh, jumped the whatever they call it, didn't you? Yeah. I know. I, sh- I Interview's no. over. I'm out of here. Uh, though the He... When I work with their team, a global team, uh, 15 billion now, 17, 12 billion, I don't know the number. All these tools that were created, when, I'm in, when I was in the meetings talking to their executive teams and trying to get new, t- I mean, God, David has developed over 4,000 products he's brought mm-hmm. to market. I will, sorry to say, he is an American. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was living in Asia. He's been there for as long as I can re- uh, know. I think it's. Oh, but 20, David, you're saying years. something very important. He's an American living in Asia. Being American doesn't mean you're physically in America. You can have an American mindset. Yeah, yeah I know that. I know as you I was saying Asia, it, I didn't think of David was. I was trying to think of. I was trying to remember where he was from, and hmm. then I remembered he would fly back to California to watch his son play tennis. Well, and so that's where. Let me throw another one at you. So I. All right. Yeah. So we talked in, at the beginning about, you know, where people come from and what's happening. And I would also suggest that America, except for, you know, I mean, there's, there's probably an argument on the Native American side too, actually, uh, when you look at the definition of the word Apache. Um, but we're a collection of people of almost every single race, color, creed, religion, orientation, you name it. Yeah, I'm German, Hungarian, right. and Russian. That no one else wanted. Yeah, they, well, our our family and left because every single it was definition, kind right? of a killing spree, killing spree going there on. There you go. In- you weren't wanted. Uh, sadly, yeah. well, African Americans. That, that is the whole history of the Jewish society. That's why Israel of course. formed is because no matter where they went, they well, went there you out. go. Haven't been kicked out of America yet, hopefully, but also right. Actually, right now, right now, the Anti-Defamation League of the United States, the amount of anti-Jewish, anti-hate that has been happening in the States. Is well, I think I think it's everywhere, so, sadly, at the moment. 
But that might be fueled yeah, by well, a couple of oil-rich nations who are not maybe friendly towards Judaism. Shocked, um, shocked, I tell you. Well, the Jewish population is 15 only, million people. Uh, there's only about there's about 13, 15 in the entire world out yeah. of eight billion, but it's twenty five percent of all uh, patents or twenty five percent of yeah. Nobel Prize winners, I believe. It's a society that focuses very much well, on there education. You go. When you're when you're being brought up, when you're being brought up, your parents, my parents, and because of the generations where they came from, the words were, "Pour your money into your head, because they can never take that exactly. away." Exactly. And that's what a, that's the societal upbringing is always that way, and so and there's a desire to so build. Look at to the create. look at that. We go back to operating systems. Look at that as information security in a, in a world of chaos. And look at that as everything mm -hmm. from the first ever person who got Siri and a tablet, Moses, right? The burning bush, yeah. right? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> when I look at it. <laughs> you are right. Wow. Well, it's true, right? <laughs> the rest of us had to read about it. He got to, he got to actually ask. He got the tablet. He was given yes. the tablet. Yeah, he, but the thing is... He didn't have pockets big enough. He had to carry him down the mountain. He couldn't have given him one. I know. Tablet. I know. Well, you know, it was it was two. it was analog. It wasn't digital. We're trying. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was analog. Yeah, it was kind of a brailleish type thing because he did. Moses not. Well, I don't know. I know we had a stutter. I don't. I don't. Well, no, but he was given a tablet that had the sayings, but would have been in Egypt. This is just a trivia question. In Egypt, how many people knew how to? Well. He was led. He was in the pharaoh's castle, and he learned how there to read. So uh, you know. So yeah. So we were. They were coming. To so he was given an upgrade to his operating system, and the operating system there on out for most of us. But uh, I, and I don't know if that's the truth. That that's the story of that. Well, we and in the Bible too. Or other movies. Yeah, so look, go back to America. Yeah, yeah. And look at America yeah. as a collection of people, of peoples. That the rest of humanity yeah. rejected. Well, we saw, we talk about the melting pot, yeah. and all of us come here for all these different reasons. But most of the reasons aren't good ones. We've been most of us have been well, chased out for various reasons. But I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. disagree with that point at this point in history because today America has brings in about uh, prior to the past few years it was about a million people oh, we need per that. year, and the, and those people who were brought in. The people who got the visas were the people who were the elite of the elite of the elite, the educated, the knowledgeable. The so I would say over the past, I don't know what timeline I'm gonna, I'd be making it up, but I believe over a, a period of time recently, it wasn't your poor, distraught people who were challenged. It was the people who did get the degree, could right. write the paper. Take that a different way. Help with the tax. I hear what you're saying, yeah. but then why... Why would they choose to come here for the opportunity if the opportunity didn't already exist in their home? Yeah. No, I'm saying I agree. They, they came here because of the opportunity, but I believe America also set a policy that didn't take the person who who didn't show or demonstrate that they would be builders, deliverables. So the mechanism of policy was, hey, show us what you've done. Show us you've got the income or the education or the knowledge so that we will okay, let you. I didn't do that, though. No, but see, so someone liked you. No, no, true, but before that too, actually, before that, I was, well, I came, you, yeah, I, I came well, I in with McDonald Douglas. I mean, that was. So. Yeah, but that's an example. You came in with McDonald Douglas. There's an example that organization puts you in a different 
category as to the person. Oh, still, it still took me a year, though. But I mean, anyway, don't get me wrong. We won't go down that path. Oh, it's, it takes a but, long time. I mean, one of my, I had a, a South right. African partner, and he came to the States, and artificial intelligence guy. We, that's what we did, computational social science, artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, all of that. Brilliant beyond imagination. He couldn't get the papers that he needed in time because of something that was happening. Oh, I won't even get into the timeline. No, no, but right. Okay, so <laughs> because that's I know we can always yes. find individual examples, but from a taking a step back, if you look at the history since its founding of the United States, and I'm not talking about the colonial period before that. And by the way, people forget there's a huge Spanish colonial period before that too, right? I mean, so there's, there's been a lot of things happening. I don't. In I, you know more about American history. You know more about American history than I do. So you tell me. Oh no! I mean, in the 1500s, way before Jamestown, you know, there were Spanish missions uh -huh. all around the Gulf of Mexico, out in California, up and down Florida, as part of Spain. I mean, where Cape Canaveral is today, there was an indigo yep. plantation in the 1500s, yeah. 1535. Okay. Right. I mean, America did not begin with the founding fathers. America did not begin. Oh, I mean, no. the Vikings were in the 12th century before that. People came across the Bering Strait before yeah. that. We have all the pre-Ice Age cultures, uh, things that we're finding now down off the coast of Cuba, Bimini and other places around the world. It's astounding. There was an entire global culture before the last Ice Age. And we're only, I mean, there's, I mean, there's several Ice Ages before that. You look back at the history of India and Vedic cultures. I mean, oh, my gosh. 17,000 year oral tradition we've traced back through the semantics. It's incredible. 17,000 years. Holy smokes. And that means there were people before that. Wow. So the, 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 the rich history and culture of the human race on this planet is incredible. And it's not, it didn't start three, 4,000 years ago with Egyptians. I love Egyptians. Love you, Egyptians. Didn't start with you. Sorry. Right? So how, how so getting back to how do we help people make better we, choice? Well, we make it interesting. And, and not I would suggest, and we can make it interesting, and then they, you know, and put it out there in a marketplace of ideas. And science fiction does that; makes subversive stuff really interesting. Uh, essentially, we were watching something the other day, and it was an HBO show, and it was about uh, Adams as a president. And I remember Nicole saying, oh my gosh, this is so well done. They've humanized him as a character, all the good and bad. If I'd have studied this in high school, I might have actually found history interesting. It's how we teach. Oh, yeah. And if we go yeah. into AI, we can teach and self-organized learning environments. Look them up. David, it's an incredible revolution. And Yeah, I've, I've, I know about them. Uh, groups of individuals and, and letting kids do their thing and they'll figure out. Oh, no, out guided. Guided out. thought. Not Montessori, but guided thought, right? But the idea being that we can yeah, yeah. then make every single topic interesting, relevant, applicable, right? We don't have kids sitting there falling asleep in the back of a class because a teacher's tired and is droning on. Oh my gosh, this revolution in human cognizance of human connection, of connecting the next billion people to the human communicate to the human conversation, the next four billion, right? It's what N15 and geeks are doing and it's what, it's, it's what the Institute of Space Commerce is trying to do. So many people are trying to do this because we see the value. We find out that, oh my gosh, not what we've been told all our lives, that when you meet someone of a different tribe, village, race, color, religion, you're all still human beings. 
Every single human being is unique. Never in the history of the universe has there ever been anyone like them, nor will there ever be. Even identical twins aren't. And when you meet that human being, you realize it's a matter of circumstance. And you say, be, I'm not going to be better than you. I'm going to try and be better myself. Right. Let's work together to empower you. Not white guilt and all that nonsense and stuff, but just by saying, like, like we do at Geeks, is trying to get more people connected to the internet and connected into their information flow so they can start learning and making their own decisions. It's the idea that they are equally as human as us. They're far more intelligent most times than us. They're just working with a different set of tools. So we give them, not give them, but work with them for them to get the tools that they need, right? To fundamentally change things, to ask, to start asking the question, why or why not? Right? What do you mean? Why is my country this way? Uh, why can't I do that? They can. Why can't I? Oh my gosh, a fundamental revolution in human society, human cognizance, human ability, human potential. It's another thing I love about that vision of the future, uh, that the writers, the amazing men and women writers of Star Trek, they paint an incredible vision of the future that is positive, where everyone is equal, where no one starves, everyone's able to fulfill, hopefully, their, their own form of personal uh, lifestyle choice and fulfillment and what they want to do in life. Yes, there's setbacks, of course, we're still people. All that's changed is the enabling technology around them. And that's all that's changed since Roman times, since medieval times, since the Industrial yeah, yeah. Revolution, since the you know, Renaissance Industrial Revolution, I'm sorry, yeah. into the second Renaissance and electrification needed, and everything else. You, humans have needed food, water, shelter, transportation, yeah. communication, and entertainment since the beginning of time. It has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the technology. Exactly. It is that ever-increasing acceleration you see it in Moore's Law, and then you find out Moore's Law is exponentially growing in other fields because of Moore's Law. And it's an interconnected, there's an interconnectedness. Yes. Of it. And that's like, like William Gibson, the author, talks about this. He says that the future is already here, it's just unevenly distributed. Right? <laughs> you know, if you, could, if you could step into my brain, which I, you wouldn't want to. You are constantly describing things that are part of Project Moon. Constantly. It's just like I'm sitting here shaking my head. I just drew a picture of a graph. You know, if you were to draw a picture of a, uh, what do you call it? An mm -hmm. organizational chart. You have someone at the top. You have someone on the sides, down, and whatever. That's not how organizations work. So I said people think it's like a circle with everybody interconnecting with everybody. It's not. And if you, so I drew another one and I said this, and it's a, in a circle, a kind of like a kaleidoscope of interconnectivity. But that's closed thinking because it's not a circle. And then the analogy is, you know, when you see birds out and they're flying in all yeah. different patterns and they're all together, organizations and individuals are always moving in all different dimensions and growing, but not in a steady state. It's not one circle. So you'll have one part of an organization going one way and then the other one follows and the next one changes and they ebb and flow. And so you just kind of describe that just the way you, you said it. It's, it's, not, it's not a dynamic or a, 
uh, a causal relationship. It's a it's an evolving growth structure. And yes, we expand in one area, and the next area gets impacted, and the next one gets impacted. It's not linear. And yet, one of the greatest things I was ever taught, and I have to say it, in organizational, in management, and everything else, and in life, was when I was fortunate enough to be over at NASA and work where I met Nicole. I, I was an intern. I interned for a while, so I didn't okay. actually work there, but I interned. So that was that's my claim. And I was actually a bubba to a center director, a guy called Jay Honeycutt, friend, mentor, father figure to me. I mean, one of my greatest friends introduced me to Nicole. I mean, amazing guy. And on his desk, he had carved in wood, a big sign on his desk, actually just over his shoulder. And it said, and he's still, he's still with us. Of course, he's amazing. He's working with us today. He's a fantastic guide. And they said, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can Right, and you find that when you go into organizations and people, and there's a, there's a thousand people who tell you what they can't do or why they can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. I didn't ask that. Tell me what we can do. How can we solve this problem? Get out of that mentality of negativity and scarcity. Tell me what you can do, not what you can't, right? Oh my gosh, what a revolution of thinking. And you empower the people around you. Right now, I've been fortunate, right, to have all these different guides, whether it be from politics and, and Boeing's and Lockheed's and McDonnell Douglas and my own companies and incredible mentors. I've been very fortunate. And I share this too, because I was always taught if you walk into the room and you're in a meeting, say, at a business or an organization or anything that you're doing, and you have any form of authority and you are the most intelligent person walking in that room, you have fundamentally failed. Failed. If you walk in that room and everyone looks like you, you have failed. If you walk into the room and everyone agrees with you, you have failed. You need to walk in a room and have an incredibly intelligent, more intelligent, more experienced, diverse group of men and women, and you need to set them a task, a clear goal, and step the hell away and empower them to go achieve those goals and let them know that they are empowered. And when you talk to them, you say, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. It's already in you, you know it, but talk to me. I'm here to make sure that you have what you need to be successful. Clear goal, clear milestones, go. Like General Patton used to say, take the bridge. And the lieutenant said, how do I do that? So he goes, I don't know, son, that's your job. Go take the bridge. Right? And that's the only way you can empower other people to make decisions, to then learn how to do that themselves and grow out incredibly effective organizations. But the moment a yes man gets in the loop, the moment someone who is insecure, who has to be the most intelligent person in the room, you're sunk. And then you just go back to living in a cave and saying no to everything. I, I've seen that philosophy pay, played out the world over. What The, the way you're saying it, and I, I think I understand your dynamic behind it, yet it's not done that way. What individuals say is, you do it, go do it. They haven't assessed if that group of individuals is missing a person or doesn't have the capital or doesn't, capital is not a solution. I, sorry, I use that word. It, they don't have, uh, they're missing pieces. And what happens is you end up with people who are disempowered more than empowered. Well, 
David, I'd and, say that's part of that conversation. So you, if you think you understand it, you could, I could say to you right now, build something on the moon. And you could say, I'll go and work and figure that out. But wouldn't it be better if I helped you to give you some tools, to give you some resources, to to make sure you've got the concepts? I mean, some of it you're going to do on your own. Well, but right. it's it's not an all. Let me take a step back because I, I should have maybe explained a bit more because it's not as absolute as I made it sound. When you say go take okay. that bridge, you turn to them and say, right, do you have everything you need? Let's go through this. Okay. And then you say, right, you do have everything you need. Uh, go do it. Yeah, I'm, I've got yeah. your back. Always. One of the things that I've often said is I'm the mm -hmm. CSO of an organ. And they, what does that mean? I said, I'm the chief. That's it. Shit I make the coffee. I'll so make you're, sure you're fed. I'll make sure you've got money. If go. you don't know. Yeah, I'll yeah. do the bookkeeping. If you are better at doing this, I'll take care of making sure that's taken care of because that's your you're better at this. So I always say to people, I take the jobs I know it wants. But then I find somebody who sees accounting and loves it. And then they exactly. get to do it. And then I take on exactly. another shit job. Yeah. So that's so that's where the definition got a little lost because I, I want in my head, I think it's better to empower somebody by giving the skills, the knowledge, the technologies, the information. You and I are making a phone call today, a video, a podcast today, but we could, if there was no technology behind it, we couldn't make the call. Well, I don't care how good I am and how much I wish that you'd be. Well, you know, and that's the interesting thing. I'm, again, fortunate accident of birth, growing up on the Isle of Man, and we're, you know, our Manx language, right? So UNESCO has us listed as the smallest living minority people. I haven't exactly helped by marrying Nicole. Um, but there's very few of us left. And our, our language was recently rediscovered. Uh, we had it in writing, but not the last native speaker died and we got these recordings and it was just, it's been a renaissance. There's no swear words in our, in our national language. None. We live in an island where... Did you learn no, some along the way? Never had them. Right? Isn't it interesting? Trust me, I've asked. Apparently, lo recently, we've made some new ones up. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Did you learn them yeah. along the way? But the uh, thing is, it was a small island and a, and a very accountable populace. Right? And we one of the first things you learn is, is everyone is fascinating. Everyone is important. Everyone is equal. And it was interesting. But the only time we'd see that inequality was when people would come from across the, on, on the, from the British mainland would come over with their, you know, their, their caste, their society, their class systems and everything else. Otherwise, everyone was just Manx. Didn't matter where you were from. 84,000. 84, well, there's only 6,000 of us indigenous left. And when I was growing up, there were 54,000 people living there. Now there's 84,000 people, yeah. And we try and maintain that. And, you know, in our schools, we were, the, so we were part of five places in the world to take on Sigurta Mita's self-learning, self-organized learning environments in our actual schools. And it's now proliferating through all of our schools because it's incredibly effective. Like, and you look back at us and, and we're, we're an odd people. You, you ever heard of someone said, uh, if, if, you know, quirk, something's quirky, a quirk, right? Yeah. Well, quirk, yeah. Q-U-I-R-K, that's, that's one of the names on the Isle of Man. That's where it comes from. Because the Brits, Scots and Irish be like, who the hell are those people? Why are they acting so odd? They're quirks, quirky, right? It's us. They're quirky. Melville wrote about us in Moby Dick. See, I knew there yeah, was well, something. Yeah, well, no, I'm right. I mean, and it is. People look at us like, what is wrong with you people? We're like, we're like, why? What's wrong with you people? Right? You know, we're, we're native people. 
And you see that a lot around the world in smaller communities. We tend to live by slightly more egalitarian sometimes rules because there's a few of us and shit just needs to get done. The Gaishido is strong. You know, get your shit done. Right? It's like the form of Bushido, but it's called Gaishido. And, you know, people are accountable. But you did, by the way, you did. Oh, I'm sorry. Swear sorry. Yeah, just see, just see. Well, I, no, I was the CSO. So but you I did, you just went a little bit earlier, but I wasn't going to, I was just, I thought it opened the door to me, you see, permissive behaviors. Yeah. But, and, 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 you know, trust me, we have good people, bad people. We have nice people, not so nice people. We're all humans. But it's interesting that when you start merging out into those larger human populations and you think, oh, people don't live the way I live. They live differently. Oh, wow. That's, that's a new... That's a fascinating Well, that's just it. And that's why I loved coming back into the space tribe, not industry, tribe, okay? Because I came back in and I found a group of people that when they said they were going to do something, they did it, just like at home, right? Because if you didn't do it, as they say, there's a saying that says, there's a boat in the, there's a boat every morning. You can get on the ferry and leave if you're not going to behave yourself. If you don't, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, you're not accountable to yourself and others. And I find that a lot in the space community, the space tribe. Because what we're doing is so incredibly hard. It's greater than the sum of its parts. As they say, you know, a launch is riding to heaven on a pillar of fire. And it shouldn't really work, but it does. And it takes the very best of so many different disciplines and people and hard work and people fighting against red tape and bureaucracy and trying to get things done. And look, we have two of the richest human beings in human history have both dedicated their lives and their fortunes to space, to improving the lives of every man, woman, and child on this planet. And that's Musk and Bezos. Think of it that way. Guy sleeps under his desk, and yet he's doing all these incredible things for space and humanity. Same with Bezos. You look back at his uh, valedictorian speech at, in university, uh, sorry, college, uh, high school, sorry. Ugh. His high school in Miami. Look up his valedictorian speech. He gave the high school speech. He talked about forming a company that would make enough money to allow him to go form a private space company to lift humanity to the stars, get the industry off the planet, clean up the atmosphere, turn it back into Eden, and quoted directly from Larry Niven's intro to A Step Farther Out that Jerry Pornell wrote in 1979, the first book on space economics. Wow. Wow. Now, after world domination... Right? They're out there literally giving their limited time in this universe away from their loved ones to improve the lives of all of us. And they've done it from scratch, from nothing. Nothing. And people people go after them? Why? Oh my gosh, if there was any justice, and Larry used to say, Tange, there ain't no justice, right? We'd be throwing resources at those two and say, go, 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 go. You're not just the tip of the spear. You're the spear thrower. You're thrusting it into the heart of darkness and opening up a path of light for us all. It's incredible. And the whole, everything around the world, we're finally at that point where there's enough human beings to have, what was it, 250 million scientists in the world. When, you know, 100 years ago, we barely had 50 or 60 where we have the ability to do 3D printing, CAD CAM, AI, machines, making faster machines. All of a sudden, we're beyond the tool-making stage. And we're accelerating to the point where we could actually, we can do it today, sadly. Like I said, the future's already here, just as Mr. Gibson said, unevenly distributed. Everyone can be fed. Everyone can be educated. Everyone can get healthcare. Everyone 
can try to live, try to live a fulfilled life. And that's what I love about America. It is the pursuit of happiness, not the provision of happiness. That's Europe. That's what Europe's trying right now, the provision of happiness, welfare. And all it is is, is, is the guarantee of misery. Right. That's it. It's not the journey. It's not the exactly. It's the journey. It is the struggle. It's life. It's the ability to achieve something. And we had that early conversation about change, and I, you know, I was talking about negative change, and you quite rightly, David, said it was about positive change. I've seen more positive change in America than anywhere else in the world, as an individual, in the society, as a family, and I see it in Britain and Canada and Australia and New Zealand and India and all sorts of places too. But here, there's a surplus, and it's wonderful. And what we can do as human beings with that, and what terrifies me truly, is the fact that others feel threatened by this. Why? Oh, I know why, because it threatens their grip on power, scarcity, what they see for themselves, their oligarchs, their country, their grasping, when they need not grasp anymore. So, so I... <clears throat> There's so many breaks where I could have said, no, we're done, but I got more questions. I'm good if so you're I'm, good. I'm floating through my head. No, no, I don't want to stop because when the conversation's good, it's good. I, that's why there's no end to these. We're just trying to find answers. So let me come at this from a different angle. And let's, it's public here. We're nonprofit, 501c3, trying to build, not trying to build, we are building. We've got a lot going on. Is let's take a category. We're Project Moonlight is not a space organization. We're an Earth organization. I mean, we, we're leveraging the Beyond Earth ecosystem to be able to improve life on Earth for all species. Now, let's say you had some answers. I'm not saying one answer because Project Moonlight is not one answer. It is multiple answers simultaneously using paradigm shifting thinking, using AR, VR, digital twin haptics. Uh, we're combining in there a program. We've designed the four phases of the moon and how they would be built out. Actually, I t shared with you before we got on that one individual recognized person and several others have seen what we've created and they've said there's not a single thing on this planet that they've seen that's even close to the volume and clarity and details that we just put into it. means they just haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying the people you Sorry. know have seen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that, I will. Yes. Not, uh, so I, I'm, I'm setting a stage because one of the transitions, the challenges is when you, if you're doing something, this through a few points, if you're doing something that's uh, traditional venture raising, you have to do the standard ROI, the standard, how many people do you have? What have you done? And I, I give the analogy that, look, if there were 10 people in 1973 or five or whatever it was who started this small business, and people told them it wouldn't work. And there was this company yeah. called IBM, I think at that time. The professional negatives told them not to try, not to and, bother. And you'd put your money on IBM, but not this Microsoft. little group of 10 people who was- Oh, that was Apple as well, Stephen, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, a small little company, 10 people. And if you looked at Instagram, like it or not, Instagram was 13 people sold for a billion, and WhatsApp was 80 some odd people sold for 17 billion. But the point is that still people they can't connect, the, they have a disconnect. They believe that number of people means how successful it must be. They also, uh, one of the challenges whenever you're talking to, how much money are you gonna make? What's the ROI? And we demonstrate to them 
We do. We can. Oh my God, what this would do transform. Exactly. You've only got one life. Leave a better world. And if you do that and in a different so, way. So yeah. my question is, how do you get that person? How would you? Because we're doing it. We have a meeting in uh, uh, next week in New York City. We have another group of people coming in. We're, we had three people join us this week. We had five people join us last week. I mean, we, we've got, I was on a meeting with seven people. The number one ontologist in the world was just on our, on our calls. The person who invented the texting for Amazon, who, when you get a text that packages arrived, he was the one who built that entire infrastructure. He's on our team. We've got some powerful people. My question to you is, because you're a little bit on the economic side, you brought it up a few times, is how do you, how would you get that person? Well, I mean, I think that's, that's why right we find the that, yeah. The Institute of Space Commerce, change.space. <laughs> just, that's just a great website, change.space. But that's just it, isn't it? The tools that we have today. Now, if we lived in ancient Rome and we were trying to solve the same thing, which ironically, Romans had electricity and aluminium and they just didn't know it. Yeah. And, and underfloor heating yeah. and a life expectancy better than ours today. Let that sink in, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Or Babbage. Had different engines. Oh, yeah, and Lovelace yeah. was running software for. It's it. funny your 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 wife's books on the web page. Yeah. Come on, I know is that right? marketing. Of course, <laughs> and so look. But I mean, where we are trying. Oh, there's many others too, by the way. Uh, but we're trying to find as fellow travelers people who understand and can actually think about economics as a tool, not a means to an end. And there's a difference there, and that's what I've come to find. Is I've, I've been very fortunate, like I said. Oh, so, so you're on the so co-founder. Yeah, right. that. <laughs> I, I'm looking at, I'm like, why are you referring me to this site? Okay, so I guess what you're saying is that you need to, for, for the sake of the interview, for the sake of the time together, for the sake, is that you need to hear more, see more, yeah. go behind the curtain of what we're working on. And if you were able to see it, you might be able to help us create a different story for the types yeah, of people and that vice versa need. i think what you're finding is you yeah. like they say you know when an idea happens it happens in several places at once and you find people who are going towards the same kind of goals and they might be moving at different speeds but the idea being that we you know we generally want a better future can we agree upon that i i i would say i would change it in today's time we want a better future for ourselves and the society is not always as important. Oh, as okay. Cause we, we, look, I'll let you know, we do have Moses syndrome over at the Institute. That means we're okay. working towards the promised land though. We, we may never get to see it. Oh yeah. Well, ours is a 40 year plan. I'm going to die at 102 and I retiring at a hundred. I've said that since I'm a kid, so our plan goes to nineteen to two thousand, and um, it goes to go. I'll be ninety-nine. Right. So I mean, it's like so. Look, yeah. So the idea yeah, is, look, so. we're at a point in human history, and you know, the idea that even as we're talking, this is like a uh, a bow front of uh, a temporal bow front of quantum possibilities. We say yes, we work together, we do something great. We say no, we don't. Something different happens. We don't know. It's happening all over the world as we speak. But yeah. As these new technologies begin to impact, it's not politicians that impact society. It's, yeah, you know, well, unless you go crazy like Putin and Xi Jinping, right? It's, or King George. 
<laughs> they they happened. There's that one of the people you kind of listed has over a billion people. So oh yeah, no, he, oh no, he no, he's influenced. What I'm saying. I mean, if he's if he's gone nuts, he's gone nuts. And that's you know that just yeah. you know that don't again go Google it. You'll see that his decision making is now just third year of a five year his third five year plan, and his his decision making has gone all over the place. Not like the guy who started out, right? As we get older, things happen. Mm-hmm. So, but the idea being that you know, if you can go back. And yes, you've got people like Hitler and Stalin and the others who do terrible things. But when the moment technology hits and it starts to proliferate through the human population, it changes things more. It allows more liberty, more freedom, and sometimes thoughts and bad thoughts, right, to profilate. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. And if you were to look at the human progress in terms of technology, wow. And that's what's happening right now. Again, and then layer on top. Food, water, shelter, well, transportation. Layer on top economics and then layer that's on top the ability to have thoughts about freedom and liberty. Whereas even ancient Greece, the Athenians, even the Spartans had slaves. They had helots. Right? Their entire glorious civilizations, Western civilization was built on a foundation, as was the Persians, as was North Africa, as was Central Africa, as was Central and Southern America as was all of Asia, all of India, built on slavery. Until, until the Industrial Revolution. Astounding. Astounding. Absolutely astounding. Yes. That's what food, water, shelter, transportation, communication, and entertainment. Oh, well, I I change that around and say it's cheaper to build a machine than to actually to buy people. I didn't know you could buy Slavery. people, but if you want to, Slavery, you want to right? say it that way. It was cheaper to buy a machine than to buy yeah, was, people to do the work. What, that was the, the, what stopped. It was the cotton. Well, the cotton gin, the steam engine. Cotton gin was great. You know, the piston engine. I mean, well, all sorts of stuff, right? Stopped it, right, but that was a big, that was a big part of. Oh, here, here in the United States, of course it was. was the yeah. cotton gin, in the United States, once the cotton gin was created, everything yep. changed. And once ice was able to be delivered, everything yeah. changed. Because, I mean, went, so there's a historical reference across each one. And of go outside of the United States, too. So, yes. Go to, go to industrial Britain, go to... Yes. Yeah, all over the world. Yeah. Well, the... the uh, called the Dark Ages. The... During that time of the Dark Ages was the, one of the most prolific innovation times for military armaments because people were fighting so much that they had to learn very quickly. And the concept of the boat that fires cannons from the side came about during that timeline, which helped to propel the British Empire. That came from one from Nanaran Prasad, who was one of our podcasts. Oh, yeah, no, it was a lot more than that, too. But it was, it was the, well, I would suggest it was economics that propelled the British Empire. Yeah, but yeah. one of the pieces. I'm not saying it's the, there's an ecosystem of it. So, uh, Isn't it interesting? Okay. So then take it a different way I, too, very quickly. I, I mean, I, it's in paid the thing. It's in the book that I wrote about how, how technology is the thing. So you're, you're I'm agreeing yeah, with right? you a thousand percent. And then take a different a approach to this too. Look, let's look at ancient Rome. The size and expanse of the Roman Empire was always two weeks march from a road or a river because that was as much as they could command effectively. The uh, Khan's empire, one of the largest level empires, was the, you know, the pony. How many ponies? 
Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And then you look at yes. the British Empire and the European empires, for better or for worse, it was always about oceans and, and communications and sail and then steam. And then look at today. If empires and governance, let's just say, take the word empire out, let's just say governance, right? is driven by decision the ability of a decision maker to enact a decision through communications here we are with satellite communications and we have global connectivity that means we are moving towards a time when there will be global governance and we're seeing that start to shake out with the, the chinese and russians trying to go for a multipolar world uh, You've got a bunch of people thinking and talking about this at the moment. And look, I'm going to say something very unpopular. And the United Nations, I'm sorry, it's worse than the League of Nations. The, the United the, Nations what? is worse what than the... What, are the... what is that? You yeah, because it's incredibly ineffective. And it is run by dictators. It's run by failed politicians. And it's... Re... I'm sorry to say that, but you look back at its history. You look back at its efficacy. Some areas... It seems to be good, but when you get on the ground, it's not. You've got a lot of very, very well-meaning people working there trying to do incredible things with a broken machine. And I look at the future of this world, and you've got a choice. You want Chinese hegemony, hegemony. You want European hegemony. We've had that. Didn't work too well, did it? How about, oh, we want United Nations to run the world. Holy crap, no. Not exactly the bastion of human freedoms there. Or I would suggest it doesn't have to be the United States, but maybe a proliferation of the rule of law into other democracies is the best chance. I was wondering where you were going to go. I was going to wa wondering because yeah. you were picking countries. No, I'd say, I'd say look, the ideas espoused of the rule of law from Rome, from Martin Luther all the way through to today is huge. That no one person is above the law. That's a massive change from kings and queens and dictators. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to put into place. You need checks and balances. We're learning that. It's ever, ever changing. But I had a conversation with someone at the TED conference, and it was a great call. And this chap was like very upset because I, I love America. He's very upset with me. He wasn't American. Really quite upset. And I said to him, okay, the country you're from. He says, yes. I said, what is to stop the United States from invading your country because you know the, the benchmark is for our military on our military industrial complex which i know eisenhower spoke his words but i would say it's one of the greatest things we have at the moment there's an incredible tool for change and for the rule of law but he's i said to him what's to stop because our, our military's you know the benchmark is we're 10 times we're able to take on the 10 next largest militaries and win that's the benchmark so i said you know if, if america ever fought, fell into a tyrant's hands that's a thousand years of darkness for the human race. That's Hail Hydra, right? Mm -hmm. Terrible, right? So, <laughs> yes. right? So I said, okay, so what's to stop America from invading your country tomorrow? Absolutely nothing. Your National Defense Force has 600 people. Nothing. You have three frigates. Oh my gosh, nothing. And then I said to him, but what's to stop the Chinese from invading your country? Just to the north of you. What's to stop the United States is what's to stop them. That's the difference. That's the difference between us, the United Nations, the European Union, 
Russia and China. Truly, think it through. Well, I, no, I, I yeah. don't disagree with you. Uh, what I would say is I think the anxiety over today's, and I don't want to get into... Oh, no, we're the worst empire in human history. You know that, right? Touch on it, but... Uh, no, what I... For example, what's... The way our political system is operating today, there's an mm -hmm. insecurity as to what would be considered going back to your... The weapons of mass division, the, the negativity. references, the cultural references and yeah. the understanding and the baseline. So when... There is a conflict, and I'm not picking sides here because I, there are a lot of my beautiful friends that live in all sorts of places around the world, is what's this when, and I'm going to use an example, and again, I'm trying to make this just as an example, not it's to okay. say it's Look, right hey, or wrong. That's David, not I'm, 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 I'm okay with I'm moral relativism. It it's all right. I'm, so, you know, don't worry well, about it. Well, I was in Hong Kong as yeah. the protest. I was, I was what I lived right near where the protests were happening to a few weeks a few blocks away i was there looking from actually it was the the one of the largest towers in hong kong i was outside having uh talking to somebody uh i think it was a brett but it might not have been and we're looking out and we saw the streets of central full and that's and where the that's tear gas and everything yeah happened. but my point is what that society mm -hmm. went in one direction and understanding why because of history. And I'm, again, I'm trying not to make a political statement, but and let's use Taiwan and China. I don't have, maybe you might have, enough confidence. I have confidence, but not enough to say, yeah, let it go. It's going to happen. That if something happened in Taiwan, and I, confidence is a bad word because it means I'm taking a political position. I don't have enough belief that the U.S. government today, with some of the people in it, would step in to your model and say, we're going to go to war for Taiwan. I do believe that there are many people who might want to do that. I just don't have the confidence, which changes that equation of hope, which changes the equation of what people, remember, you would know that 67% of the world's population mm -hmm. lives in Asia, if, in fact, that one island goes, no matter what the policy is, if it owned it or not, it's it would change the entire perspective of the U.S. future if it didn't happen in that way. I'm not saying it has to happen that way. I'm not. I know. Right? It's like Thomas Jefferson wouldn't even think about we're it. In, the people today would. However, right. Right. As long as all the semiconductor factories in Taiwan and we need those, I think they're pretty safe at the moment. Right, right. right. Well, that's why we're we're in Syracuse, yeah. New York, and they're building the yeah. uh, micron chip factory, $100 billion factory is like 30, 25. But, you know, I would suggest that there has it. been a subtle shift. So you look at the post-Cold War period and you look at what happened in, in Gulf War One and then Gulf War Two, and the difference. And you look at the fractionalization of the, the Western alliance uh, in Gulf War Two. Right, where you saw Germany and France act in their own interest. I mean, people are always shocked when a nation acts in its own interest. They shouldn't be. But when they chose not to join the alliance, yeah. when they broke the Cold War pact, and it was, you know, and I'm not saying the Iraq war was right or wrong. I've worked in charities and it's in that area and it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not taking, I'm just, to me, and it's it was interesting that China and Russia pushed on those cracks. 
pushed on them heavily. And yet, one of the greatest things I have taken a huge heart confidence from, huge, because the we did not react the way the Russians thought we would react with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I think China has, they've overplayed their hand. They played it too soon. They've got their own demographic issues. Oh. They're going to be down 400 million people by 2049. Right. And, and the belt and well, road is now Yeah, they're still, exactly. People are waking up to the fact that. It's gone. You cannot, there will not be a belt and road because of what happened in America stepping in, in Ukraine yeah. and the joining of which country just the, to the, um, the EU. Oh, no, NATO. Finland, Finland joining NATO, given what happened NATO, in World NATO, War II yeah. and pre and Right. And I think I think the the Germany has increased their spending power by I know that's terrifying to me. Sorry. Look, I love I've got some friends who are German, but I'm like, and, oh my gosh, and, please don't let the Germans rearm. They've had they've they've had two attempts already. Oh, Gold, Goldsmith. I know. Uh, you know, the, my my family there's a long story to getting out. So but but look so, at the change in uh, human society. Look at how it shocked yeah. even the politicians that a huge upswell of people in Western society just went, not just no, but hell no. You don't behave that way. Was it a huge upswell or was it a no. small group of people? No, it was not a small group. If you go, and I, and I was over in London at the time. And the last the, 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 decision, time, the decision was made in, where was that in the decision press. made? And in, and in online chat rooms and everything else. You don't, you don't think it was a, you, you had said just the uh, not long ago, 500 and some odd people States. have all the decisions. Yeah. They make all they the decisions. They listen to the people right. in the press because so they are elected. The, Ah, so if you want to influence, saying, but one, a few a few mm-hmm. group of people said because there were a lot that were yelling no, and there were a lot that were saying we should here support, in the United you know, States let Russia do their thing. I'm talking about here in the United States. I'm t- you said America entering. In, you said America. No, I said I, I said Western so civilization. I'm just taking... Oh, no, I thought you no, said no, I, mean, I meant States all of the post fractionalization okay, got okay, reaffirmed. You meant the entire. You okay. Because I think you said no. You probably just rewinded. I'm probably wrong, and you're probably right. And you just rewind. Yeah. So no, that's where I was going. So I apologize. My mistake is if you meant the upswell of that group of uh, organizations saying they were participating in this. Yes, that's a different story. So that's why I went to the. That's where I was going when I was talking about Taiwan and China was because I thought you said, and I could be wrong. I thought you said the U.S.'s involvement. Because you were talking about the U.S. and the six, you know, you have three. Oh, no, no, no. I, what I was saying, there's a certain people. country to the south of there that is a democracy. It's a Western democracy. And, oh, it's New Zealand. Which one is that? That's China, from New Zealand. Yeah, oh, and I was saying, what's to stop yeah, America from Zealand's invading New Zealand? Nothing, right? And I said, <laughs> what's to stop? Uh, it's a beautiful it's a, country. It's a beautiful there was country. a fertile farmland that the Chinese want. What's to stop yeah. and I, China from invading New Zealand? The United States is what's to stop China and probably Australia and Japan and all of us who are now coming together to say, look. Right. Yeah. The, well, but that's a new alliance that was just, again, reconstituted based upon the challenges. Exactly. The Actually, I'd say it's based on a, on a certain laptop yeah, was the, that was, was uh, uncovered the, the in, in purchase- Canada in a courtroom. Right. Right, the purchasing of yep. the submarines and the shift yeah. of the nuclear, you know, giving the higher level uh, technology. But is this kings and queens doing this? Or is this shift. elected officials and people and populace having discussions? 
It's a, it's definitely, yeah. a, definitely and saying, elected look, officials, but that's where I, I was going in the wrong direction because I thought no, no. Said but I mean, America's but you look at something like this, right? And you say, okay, especially Ukraine and what's happening in the South China Sea and everything else, where even formerly communist countries are going, no, that's wrong. We're having a global conversation about right yeah. and wrong and moral relativism, right? Now, in this country, it's like, oh my gosh, at the moment, it's like burn everything to the ground. Nothing's right, nothing's wrong. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, we need some info sec on this. You know, go back to the Ten Commandments. Sorry, we need Take some guidance, otherwise Take we turn into animals, right? But for the rest of that world, especially right. in Southeast Asia, they're going, wait a minute, concentration camps with Uyghurs in it? That's wrong. Uh, suppressing your population in Hong Kong, the largest single gathering ever recorded in human history of human beings ever uh-huh. holy crap yeah. and begging i know yeah, you were there and there. american flags flying and begging for freedom and then they were suppressed it's like no 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 you, you, this whole idea of kings queens and not a, a constitutional kings and queens but kings and queens and autocrats and dictators you know i mean it's well maybe i hope it's wrong maybe i hope people there. don't want that while this was happening, unfolding in Hong Kong, it was very interesting because the dialogue was Hong Kong, the young individuals of Hong Kong had it very good. And they decided they wanted to kick the bear. And the bear really didn't need Hong Kong. They were going to get it in another 15, 20 years. There was no reason for them to take over then. But what happened was there was political things that were starting to happen and this uprising, which the bear had to say, look, you're kicking me. I'm going to give you a shot over the bow. You know we're here. We know we're awake. Yeah, but I look at at that government as a fundamentally illegitimate government. It grew from the barrel of a gun, as Mao said. And I would suggest that the government that was ordained by that emperor through democracy to Chiang Kai-shek, then a military dictatorship, I know, because they were fighting a war. But the one that grew, the, the part of China that's in Formosa, in Taiwan, a democracy, I think is far more legitimate than that system of abject terror. But do you think, do you, do you believe, and this is a, uh, stepping onto another pile, do you believe that the, the countries you've just mentioned would step in for Taiwan. Yes. I like to hope they would. And I would like to believe they would. Okay. And I think I think what you're finding is now people are realizing just how different a view that the leadership of the People's Republic of China take in regards to the sanctity of the rest of the human race who are not purebred Han Chinese. And that is an astounding thing to have to say. And it's an astounding thing in history to have to say. But David, go check it out. If you're not yeah, purebred Han, a... even in China, they're not exactly nice to you. It's it was look. I was. You can never become a resident of Hong Kong if you were an expat. You were not completely. I had a yeah. Hong Kong card. I was a quasi, but I was. You never became a full resident. You were always. Uh, you, if you had a baby there. And uh, Veronica and our team had a baby while we're... That baby was not Hong Kongese. That baby was uh, Slovakian. In hindsight, a wonderful thing. Hmm. 
just well, an interesting. Well, and, I, and I, what I'm saying is too, when, say. when you look at the when you look at the leadership of the People's Republic, the the approach they take to people who are not purebred Han Chinese, other forms of Chinese, other peoples who are Chinese, it is somewhat very very similar to Aryan pure blood national socialism. Dare I say it, Nazi behavior. It's actually a little bit worse. Quite terrifying. Because when you look at what the, look at the Soviet Union, at, right? And they wanted to make the rest of us communist. You look at the Chinese, they just see us as in the way. It's their planet. It was always their planet. The last hundred years were an accident. They lost face. Now it's time just to get rid of the rest of us. And off they go. I, I, there, I have so many wonderful... Oh, wonderful I'm, you know, I'm not talking about the Chinese so people. Many, I'm so talking about wonderful. their leadership. And that's where I think the re I think the conversations. And this is one of the challenges I have: is the conversation has to be clearer. Even in the platform we're building, there's a conversational part about clear. When we toss out this word, the Chinese. No, I say. Oh, you see, you notice I always say the Chinese people versus the, the leadership. Yeah, and in my case, people have said to us, David, will you work with the Chinese? I said, I will always say to them, first of all, we're a 40-year plan and we don't know. I know, Beijing will become world. Peking and the five and kingdoms the will return and China will become democracy. And, and, right, and the second is, I say, are you saying Chinese people or are you saying a few people in the Chinese government and their structuring? I want to be clear because if you're saying one thing, I got tons of friends. If you're saying another, I give you a different answer. It's not a negative answer because we want to bring the world together in a different way. And maybe I'm an optimist. I am an optimist. I'm not going to say maybe. I'm an optimist. I believe that everything could be changed and can be improved. Otherwise, well, it did Xerxes doing. speak on behalf of so, all Persians? Right? Did Adolf Hitler speak on behalf of all Germans? Uh, did a recent president of ours, who's not getting into politics, speak on behalf of all America? No. Right? And do the current leadership... Did Marx, Trotsky, oh my gosh, the damage those idiots did, them Engels. Sorry, did Lenin, Stalin speak on behalf of all Russians? Of course not, right? Uh, but the people not. in power who have the ability to do these things, who are unchecked in power, sadly, do horrible, horrible, horrible things. And they do it for the very worst motivations, as we now learn in, in the hindsight of history, right? And people are still people. Yeah, but I was gonna. I was almost gonna say the exact same thing. No, people change. But what has changed is our ability, yeah. thanks to yeah. satellite communications and the internet, to have a more broad, open conversation and to hold people accountable, and to find like-minded people. So we're not I, I, isolated in the darkness. We turn on the light and we find out we're all see, there, all enraged, all outraged about an injustice in many forms, and we can start solving that now. So, so he. he so, so in our platform, this is another part, we have three modules. Maybe you will get this. We have one module, which is our component that we're building on, which is alliance development. To accelerate innovation the world over by a factor of 100x by bringing together individuals using computational social science, artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, network, visualization tools, all of that we're working on. So we've got one piece, which what you're just talking about is bringing people together, the scientists, the 250 million scientists, to be able to accelerate that innovation. We have an, uh, a component which is called community engagement. 
It's getting that conversation around how we can find opportunities in networks, how we can learn. There's a whole educational part of it. This is where, I don't know, were you introduced to me by... Uh, no, it was someone Andy else. Alden? Yeah. No, it was someone else. Uh, and that's the educational. We've got a whole area of that. I've been, I was in Lithuania uh, helping uh, teachers to look at the world differently, speaking with the Ramon Foundation, on and on. And that's to be able to have individuals see one another around the world and to be able to work together in a different way they've never done. And then we've got, which you're like nailing everything, we have a community governance coordination. And it's not government, but it's yes. governance. And it's to help individuals to create a different dialogue about what the future could be by understanding how we actually operate. So it, little things such as if I type the word socialism right now, it doesn't ask you what do you mean by socialism because there's about six different versions of socialism. And when S Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, it was funny how many people were willing to take the money from the government. Oh, but there wasn't, a, like there wasn't insurance. And it's... Right, there was no insurance, so therefore, but the government still stepped. Well, that's, that's, that's the problem. With government and, and, the, and the same people in Florida who get who get mm -hmm. hit by a hurricane. I hate government. I hate government. I hate, where well, is the you government? Know, I would suggest, well, like even in Texas, you know, that it was normally the local churches, then the local police, and then FEMA would show up three to four weeks later, and we'd look at them right. all and go, like, "Why are you here?" Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not disagreeing, but the the platform is to help what you're saying exactly. But on a global scale, with tools, with mechanisms, with not guardrails, but information to help that conversation be a stronger conversation because we don't live on Earth. We live within mirth, the moon and Earth. And as we expand out to the moon, which is the next viable option, we, the moon is responsible for those the, the speed of the rotation of the earth, the tides that we have, the, the menstruation of animals, humans. It is responsible for bats flying in the middle of the night and finding, I mean, there's just, the moon and earth are symbiotic. Without the moon, we wouldn't be here. And so our, we're asking the question, what would the world be like or what could governance be like if we were no longer that way? What is that well, conversation about? Yeah. And so you're 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 literally you're you're just like following the freaking plan as we speak, and I'm I'm just shocked that every time oh, you're like, worse. "Wow!" Well, it gets, how well, I mean, do you look, know look, this? And we're moving to a point. Well, no, I mean, let, let, let Neil Stevenson <laughs> writes about. Okay, we're moving to a point. We already have files in society, like the Catholic Church. The priests they live as diplomats. They live in a different under a different set of rules. You're under military court of justice, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're in the military, you have a different form of, you have to, outside laws, but also internal laws. As the nation states start to fracture, I, you know, and Stevenson writes about this very succinctly, you've almost got an, a Darwinian form of culturalism that goes on where, you know, you've got different ways of living in the world thanks to technology. Like-minded people joining together in new tribes and doing new things. But what's interesting to, I, I suggest, look, one of the great learning things I ever had was it's not seeking the same, but seeking other, right? It's our natural tendency to walk in a crowd and look for people like us to find consolation and to feel less anxiety. Whereas going to the International Space University, I did the master's program in 95. My fellow classmates were literally from around the rest of the world, literally spoke every language you can think of. 
And they also came from every single discipline. They were lawyers, engineers, scientists, rocket scientists, Mm -hmm. planetary scientists. They were journalists. It was diplomats. It was stunning. See, yeah. And that's what Singapore is right now, right? That's what's happening in Austin, Texas, too. Sing- Singapore is having some of its challenge. Yeah, but that yeah. was that was Hong Kong. What you just mentioned, we'd go out to dinner in America. You can't say this, but someone would say, "Hey, we got we got a we got a Russian, we got a Brazilian, we've got two Portuguese, we've got a South African, and Nigerian, and Egyptian." You want to go out to dinner? I mean, that's how you'd be like. That was our day. Amazing. Exactly, and we can do that today, like the old coffee shops in Amsterdam. By the way, Michael Potter. Founder, co-founder of Geek for That Frontiers with John Morris, amazing. I just follow their footsteps. But Michael was the first chair of co-chair of Business at Singularity University. I, I just taught ethics there. He was doing this, and he had this whole thing about you can measure the economic viability of a society by how many coffee shops they have. And he looked at Amsterdam and London and the advent of coffee and trade. And, but the idea that people would get together, get overly caffeinated, yeah, right. And start talking to each other and sharing ideas and business opportunities. It's astounding. And you go back and you look at the two Elizabethan ages. Elizabeth I. Do you find coffee shops here? Do you find coffee yeah. shops in the States the same? Absolutely. Coffee shops around the world? Absolutely. Where? Everywhere. Where? Everywhere you go to a coffee shop, you find entrepreneurs, you find writers, you find people hanging out. Yeah, but I don't see them talking yes. the same way. I see that they bring their friends, they bring the people together for their ecosystem, and then they talk there. But I don't see as much as you're talking about as Amsterdam or as... Oh, look, look here, here in America, we have I don't a see. very different approach to personal uh, space. Yeah, it's a different approach, right? Personal space, yeah. So you, you, didn't, you wouldn't sit yeah. down at someone else's table, but in other parts of the world, you walk up and say... And by the way, the, the effect taken. on personal space really helped us during the recent plague. Right. The idea that we're in cars, not in trains, sorry, but that we're, you know, when we go out somewhere like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get in my personal space. I love how you call it. I love how you're oh, calling it the plague. What, what are the history books going to call it? <laughs> yes, I know, but I, I, you're the, I, I haven't heard anybody be calling it the plague. It was plague, a plague. It was a global really plague. So, yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm okay with plague. It was a plague. Just, you call it the plague. Right. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just going old school. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. You're just the first person I know who uses it regularly the in a sentence. The, the recent plague. plague. I'm sure there'll be others, sadly, from the, you know, if we yep. take history as an example, but yeah, yep. right? Oh, no, but America's slightly different that way. And again, we smile. We're pursuing happiness. And I think, sadly, having grown up and lived in these other countries, I think that's the greatest misunderstanding of America that people have. There's two great misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. Number one is the pursuit of happiness is a weakness. It's a huge strength. And I would say that, I'd go back in history, it's like, you know, when people say violence never settles anything, like, never read a history book, have you? Right? It has to have, has the guys back in Carthage, Troy, Berlin. Ooh, does history, does violence never settle anything? Hmm. <laughs> Let's have a chat. But when you go back and you say the people who have interrupted the pursuit of happiness, which happens to be every single empire in human history, and there's another big one clashing against it at the moment, my, you know, if I was a betting man, my odds are on us. You don't interrupt the pursuit of happiness. Bad move. That's one. And the other one I find absolutely fascinating. When I talk to friends from around the world, especially people who've never been here, but watch a lot of American television, I mean, we're a very moralistic society. 
you know, with the rule of law, more lawyers than anywhere else and all these things. But look at our television. It's good guys, bad guys. Westerns in the old days of television and movies. Now it's, you know, cop shows and rescue shows and lawyers shows and special victim SUV and NCIS and all these things that we export all over the world. Hawaii Five O and all the new stuff, yes. right? And, we, and it's and Magnum and everything. It's great. It's great entertainment. We love it. The rest of the world loves it too. They're buying it, right? Watching it, but it has a very interesting side effect that I experienced directly. And I said to a friend, "Why don't you come visit? I'll be up in Manhattan. Let's go to New York." <gasps> I can't go there. It's where all the murderers are. And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "I've seen all these television shows. Every people shooting everywhere and people dying." I'm like, "Oh my!" I said, "No." Those are morality tales. That's the mythology. That's the Arthurian King Arthur's court of Britain. In America, it's a morality tale. Bad guys get caught by good guys. Right? That's our ethos. It's in every single piece of media that we have. Even WWE wrestling. The underdog beats the bad guys every single time. And yet people from around the world, they see America as this crime-ridden thing with all this stuff happening. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just the television for entertainment. I promise you New York and Los Angeles aren't like that. I promise you you can go to Miami and not see Don Johnson and, and his modern-day things happening. It's, there's not running gun battles in all of our streets so, 24 so, hours a day. So a friend of mine came to New York from Hong Kong, and he was getting out of his car. And he was oh, shit. Well, I, 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 I knew David. I'm sorry. I, swear you. I knew you'd find the one example. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no. I just it's it's funny. You're, you're talking about he shot and he has been posting on Instagram and everywhere else. I will never, oh. ever go back. He's French. Well, how did he get uh, shot? What happened? I will never, ever go back to that country. He uh, he's done very well for himself. He had a watch and he got he was going into his hotel room. He got out of his car. And watch has a certain clasp that you can't get off very easily. And what they did, they saw somehow, I guess someone knew that where he was or what he was doing as he was getting out of his car. Wow. He was shot five See, times. See, look, crime is crime. Yeah. And I'm I not know, trying to I be know. I'm like, oh here, my gosh. I just, you, you, again, you're, you're following a script here. Well, you so know, I, no, but I mean, look, look, I haven't talked about the sad, terrible impact of well meaning people, right, of progressives who think they're doing the right thing, and by doing the right thing, they do the absolute worst thing, which is try and remove yeah. rules from human behavior when humans are essentially, sadly, maybe misbehave. Maybe. I, I think I'm going to I'm gonna take it, step it back because I, I don't think it's that. I think the ability for cognitive thinking has been eliminated from a lot yes. of our society where either other things make decisions, other tools, other devices, other activities make decisions for people. And one of the challenges, it's the world over, it's not just the US, the world over, is the ability to solve complex challenges. And when we talk about societal issues anywhere in the world, I there's such an interconnectedness that I, it's become too overwhelming for the average person. And let me give you a, this is a pat on the back, but it's not supposed to be that way. Uh, I was in class year, 30 years ago, whatever it was, and this teacher called me up after and we were talking. She said, David, you got to be careful. And I learned something from this, but not about me. About She said, 
David, there's some brilliant people in this room. And she drew a line on the chalkboard. And she said, or a whiteboard, whatever it was. And she said, see, they can think and they can solve these things. And then she said, and then there are people in this room who are brilliant. And she drew two lines. And so they can go down one line and jump to the other and maybe even jump back. And they are absolutely going to be fantastic at finance or in, in research, whatever it may be. And they're going to do that well. And then she said, and she drew seven lines. And she said, David, this is you. You're simultaneously doing watching seven strains of thought and interconnecting to them all the time. It's not that it's bad or good. Everybody has their skill sets. But the ability to, because we're so focused on certain areas and certain approaches and the size of our house, or the, that the dimensionality of the conversation that you're having today, that you've brought to this, uh, to our discussion, is not typical. And so I think it's not the rule of law it's the ability to be able to think through complex environments because our world was not that complex 50 years ago and 500 years ago. And now you've got influences coming from this angle and that angle and another angle. And I've learned about this and I've read about this. And they've got 40 different perspectives and they've gotten so much volume that they don't know how to decipher it. I think that is the, the 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 storm around the average person they is so intense that they can't find the calm and they can't make those good choices and that's what we're facing globally no it does but does that make sense the way it's and i think you know i think you're right and look we're, we're, we are coming from the one percent all right and i've tried very and i find that an odd phrase because i've tried incredibly hard all my life to get into the one percent right <laughs> because i want to have this freedom of thought mm-hmm. i want to be at a point yeah well, I can do something else with my life that helps my fellow humanity. I know that sounds trite, but it's how I was raised. It's what I believe. No, no. Actually, I, I love it because, by the way, you just signed the agreement. That you're <laughs> there you go. With, so don't even you, you resist it. Well, let's put it this way. Yes. Resistance is fatal. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Do you ever see the Monty Python and, and the Holy Grail? When, it, when, it's, yeah. when there, was, there was that crowd scene. When it was something like we're, we're all nonconformists and something, there's one the other guy because I'm not. You're right. I, I got that line wrong, right? But it's always the contrarian, right? But it's well, look. Yeah, well, it's the person who wears a beret and says, "I'm uh, no, I I'm an ar- I'm an artist. I think individually. Yeah. You wear a beret, you do everything like an artist, and you say that you're an artist, so therefore you're a conformist. If you showed up with a t-shirt on." And nothing artistic about you. See, that would be artistic. And this is it. We're at that point. We've been privileged through the struggles of every human being that's gone before us to be at this point to be able to stop, think, and act, and hopefully do something that fundamentally takes the human race to a better place. And will we ever get thanked? Probably not. And that's okay. That's the difference between being a sheepdog and being a wolf. Wolf is easy. For every sheepdog, there's a hundred thousand or more wolves. But being a sheepdog is hard. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the flock. You report to the ultimate shepherd, and it's your job to stand between them and the darkness and to get it done. Otherwise, go work in accounting and get a bigger car. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say because we can go on for hours. I'm going to say that's a good place to put a hold. Uh, because you tied it back together. It is tough. 
And I've got to say, Chris, the, the one reason I do these podcasts, people think that we do these podcasts to get visibility. No, it's a podcast to meet amazing people. And it's not about visibility and getting the word out. It's about meeting people like you. So I've got to thank you for bringing you to the table. And I'm, I'm, you can't see my hands right now, but I'm kind of got the prayer thing saying thank you for bringing you. Well, David, thank yeah. you for letting so me be me. You. It's rare that I get to do it. So, well, oh, I, very I, much. I hope you felt yeah, the same It's just nice way. to talk and talk about these things. So, yeah, I, I, they are. And I do want to talk to you afterwards. I just, you and I are going to go on for three hours and I do want to get to Project Moon Hut. I'm so excited about all the things you've said. I want to start afterwards. Well, we could talk about it now if you want to hear. Well, let me tell you a little journey if you're interested of what I'd like to oh, do, please do. share with you. I, okay. There's, you're going to sign an NDA. Everybody does. It's a very mutual NDA. What you own is yours. What we own is ours. That's it. The only reason we're doing this NDA, and it is the main reason, well, it's, I'd say I'm using only in Maine, is we don't want people copying us. We want them to join us. So think of it as, hey, if you're going to look at our stuff and you don't want to do it, you can't do it. You have to do it with us. So that's the reason that the NDA is in place. It also has some intellectual property components, meaning you can't go talk about something and then you'd lose the right to be able to get it if, in fact, you made it public. So that's the reason that we're doing it. It's not for the purposes, hey, we want to stop you from doing things. What I would like to do is take you on a small journey. You saw yeah. the two videos, which are the introductory. The, we're having an event in New York, but we just had one in, uh, in New York two months ago. We're going to be planning them in different parts of the world. We have a teammate in Singapore, and we're looking at doing a, a program in Tokyo, uh, Shanghai or Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, and, uh, and Sydney, okay. because that's his Asia. That's where he works. And we want to have events also in other parts in Europe and the, the rest, but those are we're working on today. And I gave that, uh, did, we did have this event and during it, we didn't record it because we want people to speak freely, but that presentation, oh, I'd please like do. To send yeah. that to you. And it's, it's a summary. It's an hour, about an hour long. You can play it faster, but it's an hour long of some of the things we've been working on. And what we get from individuals often is, wow, like you've actually done this. Yeah. And you're doing it quietly. Yes. Uh, I'll send you that. There's also, then what I'd like to do is have a, a conversation and I'd like to show you, because I think you'd be excited about this side of it, the designs that we have for Beyond Earth and the Moon. I'd like to show you not only the, uh, we have a paper and we're redoing it, but we have a, about 150, 160 page paper. One of our teammates is absolutely off the wall, brilliant. And for how to build what we need on the moon. Then I would also like to show you the scale model work that's being done, which is absolutely brilliant also. Uh, we have a, a scale model builder. He's put in about, probably now about five to 6,000 hours of building and designing. We've past about a year so we have a scale model of our first phase he's working on a scale model of the second phase which is about nine feet by three feet four feet and i want to show you that so you could see the depth now you also sound like a 
a person who's very interested in the governance and the alliances and working together. So we have a software application that we've been working on. We have the number one ontologist in the world, Barry Smith, who is helping and guide us in terms of ontology, as I mentioned. We have another person who's, we have programmers that are working with us. And I wanna show you how this ecosystem can bring the world together See, I think that we're trying, that there are enough people who say we have to be reductive. We talked about it, meaning you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, we have to stop. Well, women are not going to stop putting on makeup, okay? And it's very, very toxic and dyeing their hairs. It's terrible for our environment. We're not going to stop doing that. No, and people plus they're adults. They get to make their own decisions. Right, and we're not... And we're not going to stop wiping our butt, but yet 17,500 trees on their endangered species. No, but we need Japanese toilets. Come on, to yeah, it. We need, out of, we need Japanese. Out of 65, right, Japanese. Out of Technology. 65, do you know, there's 65,000 trees and one third of them are close to the endangered species list. But I can, we'll show you what the platform, I can give you an overview and you tell me if you'd want to dig in. Then we have, uh, I don't think the tech transfer side, that might be interesting. We have a tech transfer and pollination to tech, take innovations that are happening within the, in our project as well as exterior and taking them and applying them to places that they never would have been applied to before. So for example, if I created a new pen and I have it at uh, Airbus and we say, no, no, we're not gonna use it in competitive environments. We're gonna take that. We would like to bring it to places such as water filtration. Oh. So we want to. We have a tech transfer unit. We've got uh, teams of individuals who are intellectual property lawyers and, and corporate attorneys and, and uh, tech people. And then we've got, which is our AR, VR, digital twin haptics, 3D, 4D gaming, all of those types of experiences uh, or immersive and experiential technologies. And we we have two tracks that we would like to bring to the forefront. The first one is, we always look for three things. We look for talent, networking, capital. Most people who start an organization look for capital, then talented networks. We are bringing on, we have KPMG, Deloitte, PWCEY, uh, JP Morgan, private banking, uh, Kirkland and Ellis, White and Case, uh, Intertrust, uh, um, Much She List. I mean, the list goes on and on of organizations but they're not donating, they're helping us, they're on our team, meaning we have a whole team from Kirkland Ellis who's worked over a year on just helping us understand ITAR, EAR, CFIUS in the United States and draw up our compliance program so we don't break any rules. We wanna make sure that we're, wherever there are rules, we play within them. And then we've, and so in this, so one track is to find that talent to help them to see the things kind of that we've talked about. But there's a second track is to get the populace to rethink what tomorrow would be. And, but we're not gonna go out and market. We're not gonna say, hey, Project Moon, we're, we tell people we're just a, uh, we're not the beacon. We're not your beacon. We are just a beacon. If you don't like what we're doing, go do something else. We're, we're perfectly happy. We don't need the world. We need people that we can get involved. So that would love to be involved. And that second track, is to get someone to rethink tomorrow, to redefine tomorrow. So if in fact you heard this word mirth, and we've used it regularly, and it's interesting people when I say moon and earth, mirth. Oh my God, that's so simple. It is simple, so yeah, but of course in my culture, mirth means humor. 
Yes, there are places that mirth does, and you're going to have to just exactly. learn. I like it. I just, I just, just mentioned it. And it is funny. Yeah, but so yes, I know. And there, the word mirth has been used in a variety of different places. For example, there's one resort that uses it. But we filed. Uh, that's part of our intellectual property side. No, that's no, why it's you okay. Can't use but this but David, times. one thing I'd like you and to do. So we, unfortunately, I wanted, will have to go. I, I, yes, sure. I'd like to get involved. I'd oh, like so you to have get to go more to, okay. understanding. So there you go. No, that's, no, that's, I like. No, no, David, thank you. No, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off because. No, no, I've, I've just got to get something out to no, actually, ironically, the NASA headquarters before six. I've just got to ping on my phone. Okay, so let me give you the, yes. let's end this podcast properly. So I want to thank you for taking the time for everybody who's listened in. I hope that you've learned something today that will make a difference in your life and the lives of others. The Project Moonhot Foundation is where we're looking to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon through the accelerated development of an Earth and space-based ecosystem. Then to turn the innovations and the paradigm-shifting thinking from the endeavor back on Earth to improve how we live on Earth for all species. So there's video again on the website. Chris, awesome having you. I love meeting you. Thank you. I got to look who was intro. So I appreciate that. What is the single oh, best thank you. way Actually, to get a hold of me? David, thank you. The single best way to get a hold of me is LinkedIn. It's Chris Stott. Find me there. Or drop me an email at Chris at Lone Star. L-O-N-E-S-T-A-R, Luna, L-U-N-A-R.com, LoneStarLuna.com. And it's S-T-O-T-T. Oh, yeah, Chris, S-T-O-T-T, Sierra Tango, Oscar Tango Tango, over in LinkedIn. Yes, okay. Uh, and so fabulous. And we'd love to collect with you also. You can send an email to me at david at moonhut.org. You can connect with us on Twitter at, at Project Moonhut. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Facebook. You've got multiple means of getting a hold of us. And that said, I'm David Goldsmith, and thank you for listening.